You are now listening to the Talking Mush podcast with Michael Johnson and Colin Cummings. Dude, I thought that I thought that double I thought that double sided tape. The funny thing is the no the the funny thing is the the Heisenberg hasn't fallen ever, not even once, and it only has like three pieces on it. This one I I put it full frame, like fucking tape all like this double sided tape all around. It's supposed to be for mounting, and the things are light as fuck. You know, it's because I'm tripping. I think it's because it's warped. It's because it's Jesse, and Jesse always gets fucked up on the show and falls, while Walt is just always on his game. Meaning. Look at that. Well, that's, you should actually leave it like that. Fuck it. Don't even fix it. That's I, how it should I, be. I would love it to just stay Jesse's that way, off his rocker. And he's straight. Wow. So everyone who has OCD who comes on the show gets revealed immediately and it has to go on a psychedelic trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So here we are on the Talking Mush podcast with my friend Vesa. Uh, he's an artist extraordinaire. He's been doing his thing for, for how many years now? 20 plus I suppose creativity my whole life, but professionally, 20 plus years in the creative field, I suppose. Yeah. And, and we're very excited to have him on. So we're the Talking Mush, the Talking Mush podcast is about sharing psychedelic stories from psychonauts. And you are one. So thank you for coming out here. Best is all the way from the UK. Thanks, man. Fuck. It's a far journey. Yeah, it was a bit of a trek. Originally from Finland, but I've lived with my lady for uh, four years in London now, and like ever so happy to come over to this this side of the world every time. And it's my first time in Toronto, so thanks for having me on, and good to see you, bro. Good to see you too, man. Get <laughs> so, that microphone uh, just in the front of your face. Up a little bit. Sure. Cool. Ooh, beautiful. So deep. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, tell me, when was the first time that you've done mushrooms? Um, well, maybe to go go a little bit back because that's my first time in mushrooms. Uh, that was around two thousand and ten, I think, or or thereabouts. But in terms of having, I suppose, psychedelic experiences, what really started it off for me was weed when I was thirteen, and and Pink Floyd and uh, Rush. Funnily enough, as a Canadian band it was uh, it was a very cool thing actually coming over here because uh, I for the first time they have this uh, instrumental song called YYZ and as kids we never really understood why the fuck it had such a mystical name or what a, what the hell does that mean and then as a teenager I learned uh, through one of their interviews or something like that that it means the area code because whenever they'd done a long road uh, or a tour thing then they were so happy to see the YYZ when they were landing back or putting their luggage in and that's where the um, sort of name for that song comes from i so didn't know that i f- for the first time i finally saw the yyz on my on my luggage and i was like ah <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, cool i love that <clears throat> awesome man so uh so yeah how many how many when was the first time though how wh- how old were you when you did mushrooms you were uh, so two th- 2010 i would have been like i'm 41 now so something like 32 so i was fairly late in the game Okay. Um, so in that that kind of way. So wh- where was your headspace uh, sort of before you ever did mushrooms? Did you did you uh, were you against mushrooms? Were you scared of mushrooms? I was the... scared of them. I was never against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, w- I was scared because it, you know um, 
um, I was fairly kooky to begin with, and I, I, I thought that, you know, I'm so, so, um, how would you say, not the norm anyway. And I, I just thought that what if, what if that's something that you'd heard all of those stories of someone does psychedelics and then they went crazy and they never came back. Yeah, yeah. Flashbacks of 20 years ago, and all of a sudden <laughs> everything turns dragony. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I had those all of those stereotypes in my mind, but I, I realized at that point that I really needed to uh, go through some sort of a healing process and really get in touch with something that I felt like I'd lost ever since um, some pleasant violence and uh, horrible shit happened to me as a kid so that that's probably where there's the, the source is trauma of, the, of what the fear was as well as propaganda but um, then I listened to Terrence McKenna for about 20 hours I, I just saw one of his uh, videos to begin with and it was something called shamanic or schizophrenic and it was a 10 minute clip that just utterly changed my life and perspective on what it is uh, and the gist of it was something like, you know, as a culture, we've lost our connection to nature and the shamanic process. And essentially that the shaman and the schizophrenic swim in the same ocean. But the difference between the shaman is that you have thousands of years of sanctioned technique of how to go in between the two worlds. And as a Finn, we have a really strong sort of this nature connection and the shamanic traditions of what we have. And Santa Claus, funnily enough, uh, the many people say that the the myth comes from finland and originally as opposed to you know now being a red and white uh type of uh funny guy with a with from the coke adverts what it used to be is that uh, shaman what they 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 the ammonia is what's it called the red cap white dog mushroom uh, amanita amanita muscaria yeah, right <clears throat> so what yeah. the shaman used to do in finland is that they used to uh, feed those mushrooms to the reindeer mm -hmm. and the reindeer would piss um, they would basically take the toxification uh, out of it so that only the psychedelic uh, part of the substance remained and then the shaman used to they, they drank the reindeer piss hence the flying reindeer and basically the gifts is that they they went to the other side and they brought intellectual and healing gifts to the tribe uh, from those journeys what? and that's the uh, actual origin of santa claus that's that's like that's the actual yeah thing yeah wow yeah. and that that originates in finland uh well they say some some people own it from different parts of different culture but okay. that's certainly something that went on i mean the whole idea that it's reindeer that's mm -hmm. what the fuck we have up north and true and you know the the red and white sort of outfit of santa claus and it's because it, it never as a kid you know i heard the santa claus thing and you're meant to believe in it and mm -hmm. and you know all that kind of stuff it's like for the first time when i heard that i was like no that that makes sense uh, so it's not about consumerism and giving kids presents and, and this like that. No, it was basically gifts from the beyond that the tribe needed in order to heal and move on. And uh, and of course, the uh, psychedelic side of like dismantling ego or whatever, so that people get along a little better. And those things are very, very strong from the Scandinavian culture, but are... Uh, Basically, uh, we, it was already a thousand years ago that the Christian faith was brought over to the Scandinavian parts. So um, it's our nature and, and sort of older mythologies like Kalevala and the shamanic traditions have been pretty much melded together into what was spread initially through the Vatican and, and things like that. So it's a strange mixture of things, but the, it, 
despite it being such a long time ago, it's still very visceral in the culture uh, over there. So, but obviously wow. the common person doesn't doesn't talk about things like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true, it's, true. It's just freaks of nature that <laughs> sort of go to the depths of, of the, these kinds of things. The misfits. The misfits. <laughs> so uh, wow. you actually heard that from a Terrence McKenna clip, or that was a separate lore that you uh, that you discovered. No, through Terence McKenna, it was all about it was the general gist of the shamanic um, shamanic realm and how basically, as opposed to my my fear was that what if I take this and I I go crazy or something like that. And it's through listening to him for maybe twenty hours or so before I had the courage to do the first mushroom trip. Uh, afterwards, I mean, I first needed to know what a bad trip was. And it's essentially his explanation was that, you know, if you do it and you go on a so-called bad trip, it's your ego kicking back uh, against the healing. Or like if there's something that you can't let go, then it'll have to amplify to beat the shit out of you essentially in order for you to get it because otherwise you're just going to stay within your sort of comfort bubble. And as soon as I knew that, I was like, oh, okay, that's what people are afraid of and that's what, that's what the process is. So if that happens to me, all I need to know is that, you know, uh, I need to go and let go and go with it. And this is part of the journey. And it's, that's how it's meant to be. And uh, when I learned that, then it was like, yeah, okay, I, I, I can do this. Cool. Awesome. I like um, that. Yeah. So that, like that was sort of your introduction. It's like, I love it. It sounds like you uh, listened to 20 hours of Terrence McKenna and then just like did the mushrooms right after you're like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it went like yeah. that, and it, it it was really tough. the The first part of it was really beautiful, and um, then <laughs> it's so funny as well. What really fucked me up along along the along the thing was that I think I had a um, it was either a, it's not a broccoli, but it's it's the white cauliflower, cauliflower right? Yeah, mm -hmm. I and I was trying a raw vegan diet at that that point as well because I was trying to figure out many different kinds of things. And, and uh, at first, when the trip really kicked in, uh, I realized in what sort of an ego bubble I was, and I really missed a friend of mine at that point. So I called him, and, and I just went, "Hey, dude, I fucking love you. It's been such a long time. Why haven't we talked?" And you know, because he was living in in London at the time. And uh, we had a really good conversation for a while because he'd done something like that before as well. So he kind of understood me. And then after about 45 minutes, my eyes were so dilated that he was like, dude, you may, maybe you want to just hang out by yourself <laughs> just a, <laughs> a little bit from here on out. And, and what I did probably next was I stripped naked because I felt like a newborn deer or something like that. All of a sudden, I became so self-aware of myself as an animal uh, that I, I really felt like I was... I been born again or something like that and I saw everything that had happened to me up until to that point and I realized why I had such a strong ego capsule because I the, the world happens to you now all the trauma and all the all the whatever's and uh, but what really kicked off the so-called bad trip for me is that I then became hungry at one point mm. and I had this uh, cauliflower in the fridge and it was wrapped up in plastic and uh, I, t I took it out of the plastic and <laughs> it was like holding a living brain inside of my hands <laughs> are all, you? all of a sudden and i was just like jesus what the fuck is this thing are and uh, then my ego really kicked in it was like i'm gonna eat this like i can't be the bitch of this cauliflower essentially <laughs> and I, I sort of just like half violently half scared sort of hacked the the cauliflower in order to eat it because I, it was kind of almost like a test of courage at that point to eat the cauliflower and then the mushroom was like 
oh, I see. Here's your problem. Now let's put the volume up. And right. then I went on into a trip with some of those. I don't know and where I and hence why you really want to dose people who are the biggest assholes. Like, because they're the most unlikely to do it, and they're the ones who really need well, it. Maybe we can share a friend story without telling. His name. That's 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 what I always say. That's what I was saying last time when somebody asked me. I'm like, uh, usually like the go-getters, the overachievers, the the movers and the shakers who are like assholes. They need to take mushrooms, whereas people who are more introverted, they usually benefit from because they already do introspective work a lot. Mm. They usually benefit from um, LSD. Right. Because it'll make them get up and go and do the things that they've been thinking about for so long. Oh, you see it different like that. Oh, interesting. That's just what I feel I've seen in myself, and that, and I saw it with a couple other people. This friend that we're not supposed to name, like he was a huge asshole and resisting mushrooms a lot, and then slowly, like he took a microdose, he took another one, and and like it was, he's still a huge asshole, but like he he ironed out some of it, you know. He, he didn't, well, like, that's actually the problem. I think he didn't go through proper. Like a proper, well, he didn't get dosed. He got like a, a microdose, right? Like he avoids the dose, you know, because well, of what you're saying. It, didn't he do like? Uh, well, the stronger the ego, the harsher the trip's gonna be. And exactly. I think that's just human instinct that you know that if you're gonna have to let go of a big load at once, that's gonna fucking hurt. Yep. And that's why it's good to do like three sessions over the course of a few days, and then have like uh, integration meetings afterwards with somebody who who led with the shaman with the guide. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then and then it's someone who's sort of talking you through this transition because it's a, it's a change in perspective. It's powerful. Not everyone can handle just like this. Wham! Now you think differently. Mm, yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know what I mean? It's kind of a hard thing to deal I with. I lived so. my whole life wrong. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, oh, my God. That's when actually, he, Paul said he, <clears throat> he never gave mushrooms to his father at the end of his life, and he and his father wanted them. I know. And he no, didn't. He was because, about to have the trip anyway, so. <laughs> well, he didn't want to give it to him because he didn't want him to regret his whole life the way he lived. And he's like, because right at the last moment, like, imagine realizing, like, I lived my whole life sure, wrong. Sure, but that's not, that's not it, up yeah. to him to control because he's got. He regrets. It. He's yeah. basically going to have to do it anyway. Well, that d d depends on your spiritual perspective. Yeah. But I think it's not going to be too different from what happens to you after you die of what, what happens to you when you have a trip. Henceforth, that's the reason as to why it alleviates your pain of dying because your whole body realizes that there is very likely something that happens to you after you die on a spiritual level that you go on. Well, on don't we release DMT from our brain when we die? Right. So that we just a psychedelic trip. And in itself, I wonder how that works because, like, they say the most of it is produced in your lungs, but then the last shot comes out of your brain. Interesting. Oh, weird. Hmm. That's why breathing is psychedelic. If you really get into like breathing techniques oh, and okay. stuff, breath work, you yeah. can actually get you to those places. Yeah, I, I was pretty. I did, a, I did a, this whole rebirthing thing uh, in Finland, like rebirth. as in through breath, go on a psychedelic trip. Oh, it was oh, one oh. of the best ones so, that I ever did. Sorry, amazing. sorry, sorry. We're, we're jumping back in here. We should actually go back oh. to what you were saying. We <laughs> so were in the middle of you. You were in a trip. We're not in the middle. We're going to ask you, what was your first trip? Tell us about it. Okay. Uh, so maybe I'll go all the way back to the, to the beginning. I, I just realized that there was something that I needed to figure out about my life and I had some really bad things happen to me when I was a kid that I struggled with ever ever since and up until to this day still like childhood stage PTSD I only later on of course learned what PTSD was and why it was a little different and and and, and those kind of things but it was uh, 
yeah, I, I had started the body painting process and a, and a friend of mine had come over. <clears throat> Hold on, body painting process? Let's, uh, yeah, the, like, oh, let's right. give people some context. Okay, so I'm an educated film director. I had a pr uh, production company, but then through frustration because I wanted to make feature films uh, and more like the, the Hollywood style rather than, than European style, I ended up having a production company in Helsinki, Finland, and I was making uh, two television series about educating people about how to be better with their dogs. And while it was actually really cool, I'm a huge dog fan. Uh, I, I just thought, what the fuck, man? I was meant to do like the next Fight Club uh, <laughs> type of situation. <laughs> and here I'm doing like dog education that this is, <laughs> this is all screwed up. And through some freak accidents and getting to know Neuralink, uh, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, uh, I was able to figure out that, hey, what if I started body painting on people and taking them on these emo emotional journeys and photographing them and then painting and photographing those and photographing in nature. If I put something together here, maybe that's a new thing. And that's how I came to came to do that. And uh, while I was doing that, I was uh, overdosing on marijuana a little bit and uh, I went further and further into my own sort of mind bubble a little bit. And a good friend of mine came to uh, came to see me and uh, she just sort of looked at me and went like, I wish I could break that fishbowl like Ooh. outside of your, like uh, on your head. And I just came to realize that, okay, that maybe I've got a little bit of a connection problem here. How can I make this better? And, and then I saw this uh, Terence McKenna video about being shamanic or schizophrenic, how basically they, a shaman and a schizophrenic swim in the same ocean, but a shaman has thousands and thousands of years of uh, sanctioned technique of how to go in between them, as in like an unconscious animal, or are you an educated professional, you know, <laughs> as far as psychonauting goes, mm -hmm. or, you know, depends on your level of se uh, severity, I suppose, and uh, and not knocking down the disease part of things at all. But, he, but essentially what he's saying is that we have a culturally, that why we can't, cure schizophrenia is our disconnection from nature and our shamanic uh, traditions and the internal technology of how to uh, control our emotional states and, and things like that and uh, it just really resonated with me this video of how i was afraid of uh, going crazy if i did psychedelics all the propaganda and things like that that i'd heard before and i just kept on listening to terence mckenna for about 20 hours and understanding that if the so-called bad trip happens, what it really is, is my ego and my trauma uh, sort of not wanting to let go of me. And if I try and protect that trauma, then the, the mushroom or whatever psychedelic that is, is operating inside of you has to ramp up the volume so that you get it. So you get out of that comfort bubble of your constant uncomfort because it's like the Stockholm syndrome to your your trauma that you eventually get to like that becomes your reality and it's hard to let go of because that's all you've ever known so if you truly want to heal then that ego bubble needs to burst and if you have a lot of that kind of stuff it's it can be a really uh, painful and traumatizing experience and and uh, yeah I like yeah. to say like doing mushrooms is like holding up a, up a mirror to your face it sort of reveals everything about you that you didn't see before <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, because of that then I then I got the courage to uh, to do it and uh, basically I, I did it by myself I knew the, the the instruction was that do it with a guide uh, but my instinct was that I should do it by myself so the first time you did it by yourself? Yeah. Okay. And it was... Uh, At 32 years old? Yeah. Wow. 
and um, yeah, when the when the whole thing started to kick in, I just got this instinct of calling my friend who was living at, in London at the time, and I hadn't spoken to him for a while, and I just called him up and said, "Hey, dude, fucking, I've missed you so much, and I uh, love you, bro. I, we haven't talked for a while, but you know, and I wonder why that is, but I miss you." And we had a great conversation for a while, and he'd done something similar before, so he understood where I was coming from. And after a while, you know, he just saw that my pupils had been dilated to the point when he just said, like, dude, you be best you sort of hang out by yourself for a while. But <laughs> no, we'll talk later, buddy. Have a good time. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, funnily enough, the next instinct that I had was to strip myself naked and go on the floor. <laughs> this is at your buddy's place? It, no, no, no. This okay. is me uh, back home. Okay. I, I, I um, I just sort of stripped myself naked and I, I became an animal. It was almost like I was, I looked at myself from above on the floor and I literally felt like a newborn deer, like just something that out of cosmos just appeared in this weird, hairy <laughs> meat limb bone body, like <laughs> feeling all lanky and, right. and, and, and strange. And it just revealed to me uh, on what kind of a journey I had been up until to that point of how much pressure it is to be a human and all these institutions that you go through like school and church and uh, parents and getting socialized and what it is to be, be a part of this whole very complicated human world and what the pressure is on me as opposed to an innocent newborn animal, what I'm now. So it just revealed what the true essence of the, of the innocence inside of us all was. And that was the point of it. And then I kind of just realized that okay now i'm just on the floor and it's really cold uh, <laughs> 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 i put some put some clothes back on and i i spent some time with my artworks and surprisingly i i, I was expecting it to be a really cool thing to to look at the art that i'd done and and it to be very pleasant somehow and it, it wasn't because i i saw in some of those early art pieces that some of them were very dead or somehow there, there was like you say, the mirror part of things, it was, it was showing me parts about myself that I didn't, that I'd subconsciously put into the art pieces that I realized that, you know, that's my own unwellness about things. So some of it was beautiful, but some of it was a bit disturbing. And I kind of let go of looking at the art pieces and, and I became a little uh, hungry. And uh, that's when shit really kicked off because I had a raw cauliflower in the, in the fridge and uh, I went it was it was packaged inside of plastic and I took it out of the plastic and it I swear it felt like a living brain <laughs> in my hands and I'd never had that kind of awestruck fear of God cauliflower moment uh, you God know and, whatever and, and I was afraid to eat it because I, it was all of a sudden like eating a live brain that's literally how it felt but then I was like well I'm not gonna be this cauliflower's bitch so, and I'd, I'd sort of ramped up my ego to have the courage to sort of hack it with this sort of like flat Japanese <laughs> sort of big hatchet type knife. And wow. I kind of like was a little aggressive doing it. And I, I think at that point, the, the mushroom really realized how much it needs to ramp up the, the volume in order for, to break through of that ego thing that I had. My total misconnection for, with the world in some sense. And uh, yeah, then then I really was revealed the nature of some of some of the parts in me of uh, there's nothing short of demonic or mm. or traumatized or, or whatever it is. And it really beat the shit out of me for the next three 
to four hours uh, in a sense that, you know, to realize how disrespectful you have been to your mother or how badly you've treated yourself with your diet or not exercise or things like that. And what were you doing smoking fucking cigarettes before? And, you, you know, so essentially like schooled by a like a tough, loving parent to the point of where like at the end of the night, I'm just like laying on my bed, just going, please just let me go to sleep. Please, please be over with this fucking thing. I've learned my lesson. You don't have to beat me anymore, please. <laughs> and, uh, That's great. And then the next morning I woke up and, uh, and a friend of mine came over and uh, I realized that it was the most comfortable in my life that I'd ever been in the company of another human being. So something had been removed from me that was a major pain in the ass. How did you feel before being around people? Well, because of the nature of the violence that, that happened before, I've always been a little on edge around people, whether it's sort of emotional or physical violence. It's just been with me ever since. So it's like a little standoffish to people, like kind of... Just very, like, let's say, like I, I think Joe Rogan talks about it on being on fucking DEFCON 5. Mm. like all the time he smokes weeds to calm calm that part down yeah me too you know so it's right he says he also like has a lot of hobbies to keep himself you know keeps himself busy keeps himself out of trouble sure yeah well yeah, yeah. i think uh i think we were talking to uh the violence that's inside of him he talks about this deep it's violence angry. that he has inside of him yeah. and uh he like keeps it at bay through like martial arts and through like just training because i guess he was kind of traumatized through all the violence he saw throughout yeah. the young life and happened to him as well so that, that, that's what i did as well i went to kickboxing oh true uh, when i was 14 because i i sort of um one of the worst things to learn as a kid is the freeze effect i mean they talk about flight and fright of course uh flight or flight or fight fight yes <laughs> so but essentially i think they they don't often talk about freeze and i think freeze is the most common thing that if I something really b bad happens to you as a kid when confronted with something your thing is just to freeze like, like paralyzed thing that jordan peterson talks about you know wow the, uh, the, the mythology of the of the medusa and I, I had that uh because of like being so small when things happened to me yeah and then in school it just sort of continued i was sort of easy pickings for a couple of older bigger kids and then uh, i didn't know how to defend myself for the for the longest time because my reaction was to freeze when something bad happened and it was uh, only up until i was 14 that i had the like then i was i really had it i'm like fuck this i'm taking control of this bitch and mm. i'm going to kickboxing period uh -huh. and that's what stopped it same age as joe rogan when he started 14 yeah wow that's nuts i wish i did that i didn't do anything like that I just I I loved all the martial arts movies like Kickboxer by Van Damme and yeah. Karate Kid and all that. I'm an '80s kid, so it was yeah, a part yeah, of the yeah. fucking diet, and I just immediately realized that that's my way out. True, you know. So we should have did that. Yeah, it's a great realization to have, right? Definitely wish I did that at I, an early age. Yeah, we just got fat. Yeah, that's what we did basically. We ate things. More food. <laughs> <laughs> comfort, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The comfort. So, so you came down from your, uh, your first trip and you were with your buddy and you felt more comfortable than you have ever, ever, ever. Yeah. yeah. I just noticed that this is something totally new. And then I went for a walk, uh, in the city afterwards and I saw a baby, uh, in her courage and I just saw the face of that baby. And because of the, the experience that I had, like feeling myself as the newborn, 
I, I looked into the eyes of the baby and that was probably the most beautiful moment <coughs> for a long time that I'd had. And I just sort of uh, connected to something and the, and the feeling that I got was how criminal it is that this is illegal. Right. Because the, I, I felt like this was medicine with a capital M. Mm. Like as far as what I understood what medicine is, like you get a cold, you take a headache pill, whatever, you know, that kind of superficial bullshit thing. Uh, after a while, I was really pissed. Right. Like, how is this not a fucking thing? Right. Like, right. those who suffer, who need this. You realize all the beauty, and then you're like, what the hell is going the, the on The beauty, here? the healing, the things, and if done in the right, correct uh, correct sort of way, in the correct... Um, circumstances. Circumstances, then how dare you say that this is not available to me? How mm-hmm. dare you? Yeah. That was the... It's nuts. Right. It's, we- it's weird that... Uh, well... <sighs> It is what it is for now. For now, it's getting better. But yeah, I had that same. I think everybody does. Well, yeah, you come out and you uh, you have like a. I'm hearing a bit of an echo from me, but you hear uh, you have like more empathy, which you described. You saw this baby. Like I actually had this rebirth myself, and you're able to like share that empathy with this baby and how it felt. Um, Being around your buddy, you're like you're you're more open minded, and and. trusting and you feel you feel good about who's around you generally so like like all your all your all kind of your guard is down in a way like you're just sort of just like open and ready for the universe after after a good mushroom trip you've been sure but but not in like a silly hippie love and love way no not in like like that way yeah it, it doesn't it doesn't take away the let's say your common sense it takes away the defcon 5 and maybe if it, if the DEFCON not five is not necessary at that moment, like it is in, in most moments, maybe the f- first few trips or something, if you go through it like that, maybe it takes down to DEFCON two, and then you know only when appropriate do you do you sort of yeah wrap well it like up the, well the ego I feel like uh, is something that ebbs and flows, so you know you can uh, put it into check with a mushroom trip and then it can always get out of control again, uh, you know in the future depending on what happens. I think uh, it's the awareness, becoming aware of it, like when you can see it, you know, like I think you take it and then you can see it. It's like a little little gremlin almost. And then it just pops out and you're like, there it is. That's the ego. <laughs> and then you're able to put it in check because you can't put your ego in check if you're just flowing on like default mode in life because you don't even know it's there. Yeah, it's almost like there's a foreign entity that that is driving you. It's like nothing short of religious sort of like being possessed yeah. type of thing. Uh, and through that kind of language, you start to realize how maybe when people in past times, when they were trying to like describe demons or they were trying to describe these kinds of things or whatever, like some of the language now seems ridiculous to us. But if you assign it to some experiences or you go through like so, so and all of this fascinating stuff, how, how sort of intertwined religious experience and the psychedelics have been in the past, like the Akai Bush uh, burning and that being DMT. And, and mm-hmm. maybe that's how Moses got his revelations. And and because essentially like that, that was interesting again, what Jordan Peterson was saying about that whole because in his Bible series is that. Moses going to the mountain of getting the getting the tablets was not something that came from uh, top down in a sense that it's now here's the rules and you just got to obey them. No, it's more like this is how we've been doing things forever and we just haven't brought the truth of this to the surface for people to see. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference, I suppose, in the in the religious experience of 
of altogether. If I, when I was a kid, when I was about five years old, I remember consciously for the first time going to church. And the way that I felt was that there's something really important here. And you guys are doing this wrong. Like the, it was the top down approach and the ritual was dead. I, I realized that there's a ritual here that should be here, but you're not doing it. So it was like a superficial show in place of something that is really important to us. Huh. And that's why I kind of went about and found my uh, spiritual journey through going to the East and Alan Watson and uh, all of these wonderful sort of uh, people started popping up here and there for me to to learn the way that I, because I, like obviously the, the dogmatic, obedient robot religion type of thing that most people associate with religion which by the way i came to understand just means connection connection to the higher that's what where religion comes from and anyone who's done a psychedelic journey that's exactly what happens to you you get a connection something beyond yeah. I, i've had trips where i'm like afterwards i'm like man if i didn't know better i'd feel like you know god existed <laughs> not that not that you know he doesn't i just you know for me <laughs> um but yeah uh so so, so you, leading into your, can i just ask real quick yeah go ahead but talk, just before you do that uh like is there any way to fix this echo i feel like on previous episodes i didn't have this so you're not echoing I, uh, to you guys there's no echo it's no, not no. it sounds no, it's like not at all. it's probably annoying right yeah it's driving me a little crazy but i can deal with it <laughs> it's your headphones i can handle it. oh maybe very possibly mm. unless they came out a little bit but nothing really came out that's the only thing i could think of were they charged hello hello it's better oh okay i think we're okay now i feel better okay cool. uh, so i want to just ask um because we were talking about this whole trip and everything and you were talking about a lot about what you were doing but what were you actually feeling like inside while all this was happening like when you got naked and got to the floor what were you actually feeling like you were a newborn and everything but what were the actual emotions that were happening well it was almost like two things because i was uh, i was feeling what it was like to be a newborn animal mm -hmm. but also like on a spiritual level floating above it like as in more like pure out spiritual spinner. being out of body mm -hmm. so it was the both at once it's it, but i suppose yeah it, it's like it was a total perspective shift on so many different things because it's like if you like i've had some experiences where i've i've connected with like perhaps being here many times before and and those kind of things and i don't take them too seriously i take them always with a pinch of kind of salt and 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 whatever you just connect to something that might have been before or somehow depends depends on how you view consciousness altogether but i do feel like uh this is not my first rodeo in a, in a certain kind of sense yeah and the, the missing of home like when i went, when i listened to someone like uh jim morrison as a kid or and his type of uh way of looking at the world um how would i say like i think i lost my trail of thought there for a while uh jim yeah it'll Moore. come back to me later <laughs> um, um but yeah, it's actually what what ended up happening is that I connected to the part of how it feels like before you come into the body. I actually made an art piece called Pre-Life. Okay. And I was trying to imagine, because everyone's always asking, uh, so what's it like after death? Mm -hmm. But the question not so often asked is, how is life before you enter the body? Because it's meant to be taboo or you're not meant to talk about it. And it's the Christian sort of control paradigm in a certain kind of way. So that if you don't think about that stuff too much, then it's whatever. 
So um, it was also easier because I was listening to people like Wayne Dyer uh, at the time, uh, even before the psychedelic st stuff to try and heal myself in a, in a certain kind of way. And uh, the, the perspective of you might have chosen your parents and come here to have the experience in order for you to do what you're meant to do here. And after you're done with that, then you just return to whatever source or God or however you choose to choose to look at it. Or maybe if that's your jam, you just want to go to the eternal bliss uh, or, <laughs> uh, or, or you see that nothing happens to you and every bit of your ego gets dissolved and you just go to the big ohm. Then uh, wh whatever's your game, man, that's uh, I, I think it might all be available. The in big, a certain the big ohm. But but it's certainly like, especially in today's age of how much bitterness there is out there and how much blame and uh, and it's really difficult to assume responsibility because I think in, in a certain kind of level, many, many people feel like they didn't ask to come here and this place is kind of bullshit and it's really painful and fucking horrible. Mm. And to those of us who really bad shit has happened, it's easy to go down that resentment road and blame the, the basically to the point of like, maybe it would be better that if existence didn't exist altogether type of deal. But if you reframe that and have some sort of an experience that connects you to the sort of pureness of what home, beyond home feels like, as in like when you're just like, don't have this meat and bone structure to you and gravity sort of just consciousness uh, uh, and and yeah just consciousness of what it might feel like that's the that's the longing and the journey home and i remember the jim morrison part is because he talked about death often yeah and people misunderstood that as a sort of grim type of wish for death and like oh that's very edgy no it was more like uh, if you're a person who has that experience and you remember what it's like to be in that sort of essence then you realize how much of a burden life is and you might have a longing to death as into the spirit side of things. But most importantly, I think what was really cool about that whole thing is that it made me like contemplate the fact that maybe I chose my parents, maybe I chose this path, maybe this all of that has transpired here is my own doing. Therefore, I have no one to blame but myself. I could see that. I could see that, that you chose them. It feels like that. If you actually like look at things, well, yeah. it's it's also like past trauma, so you don't know what those people went through with their childhood and their parents, and it's like who do you really blame? Like it's kind of just being passed down. What do you mean those people? Like uh, if your if your parents put you through a hard time, yeah, like you don't know what kind of hard time they went through, yeah, and yeah, who yeah. they haven't forgiven, and and all that stuff. So it's hard to place blame. Like you don't know what everyone's going through, so it, it is kind of just like your thing. It's 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 on you to sort of uh, I don't I don't even want to say forgive them. It's just about sort of moving on and enjoying the time that you have with those people. Yeah, uh, totally. And then also realizing how full of shit we can be ourselves at at times, and then becoming aware of those things that when you whenever you blame someone else, then you better maybe call out your own bullshit as well. And this is what happens with my fiance quite often. We don't really fight. And the reason is that we don't fight is that we have this sort of introspective machine, the both of us going on at the same time, which is that sometimes when she really fucking grinds my gears uh, w with doing something that can be as minor as like she didn't do the dishes or she didn't do them as thoroughly or some bullshit like that that gets in the way of like a normal type of life. Then I just have a m moment of pause before I say anything 
and go like, so what might I do that is exactly similar? And it's not long before I get an answer and maybe a few answers. <laughs> and yeah. then I just have a cup of coffee and shut the fuck up. You're like, this is, <laughs> this is regular life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's actually, that's actually a good thing to do. A really good thing. Just take that pause and like think about it for a second. And then or, realize or at least the come from stuff. the good point when when you do say to someone of whatever they did the dishes or whatever then come from a point of not anger just sit with it for a while and realize and then just say like hey by the way when you do those dishes and whatever it's because it's so much about the tone as well and the intent behind it that if yeah sorry <laughs> i didn't cut you off just like no no yeah 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 no yeah that's a hundred percent i was gonna say that that same thing because then you kind of realize what you do and why you do it like if you see the like the shitty things you do you're like oh but i can explain that i can explain that and then it's like well maybe she can explain too you know just in terms of the dishes right you never <laughs> know people's reasons for doing what they do yeah there's so much context baked into decisions it's like i wanted to make dinner for you and i was just rushing through the dishes so this is what I, and it's yeah, like oh, right. shit. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you uh you, you did a, a psychedelic trip with a shaman at some point uh i was wondering what led you into that experience it's the same stuff. I, I mean, like uh, one thing that I want to mention now that I remember it just just before, because I was talking when we went to dinner a couple of nights ago, I, I mentioned uh, uh, Dr. John Martini. Yeah, because it's not the journey is not only been about psychedelics. It's been about NLP. It's been breath work. It's going to all of these different t different teachers and going through courses, whatever it takes, essentially, in order to get through some stuff. And yeah, like you can do this process without with and without. Uh, I just like some people say that you should do psychedelics and or not psychedelics or whatever. I, I, I'll do anything that gets the fucking job I done. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like exactly what I do. I, I feel like psychedelics um, sort of uh, reveal the answers to you and then you have to sort of put it in the work afterwards. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, everything else that you're talking about is part of the work, I think. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that, that all spills into the artworks as well and how the, the attitude of how to how to make them and what the purpose of them is just the, uh, the process same. of creating art alone, uh, you know, elevates your mood, changes your perspective. Sure. Absolutely. And also it, it's the, the intent is what you like. If, if I do one of those body painting works, it's then that's the setting. The first, the scene and setting is to try and figure out who that person is, what, what might be holding them back, then allow them to go through a peak experience and capture that peak experience and make it into an art piece that like you say after that you have to start you have the peak experience then you calm down and then you have to integrate that into your life but you need these things that remind you of what the peak experience is that you remind constantly to do that work uh, so if it's a body painting then have that peak experience and then put it into an art piece so that it becomes a reminder for that person who went mm. through it but also for those who are not completely like shut off from things like that they will recognize it yeah. in that art piece so that it becomes useful for them so it, it's like a personal journey for someone but also how that relates to the bigger journey that all of us are on, on at the same time so they the healing works is is like the the purpose of it i suppose for anybody listening uh vess is doing custom artwork for your psychedelic trip <laughs> uh he'll be working with various shamans around uh <laughs> Not a bad idea. I like that. Is it true? 
No, it's not true. I'm no, just no, making no. a joke. Well, I've, I've never painted <laughs> I, anyone. But, uh, before, but that would be amazing. But it's an interesting. I, I'm, imagine uh, imagine a, a shaman uh, guides someone through their trip, and you're you're part of the experience. And afterwards, you you're just there as an observer, a fly on the wall, and then you take what you've learned and you create a, a psychedelic painting from their experience, and then you give it to them, and it's a, serves as a reminder for their journey. And uh, that's that's big business. That could be good. That could be a good yeah, thing. I'd be careful about the business side of it. That's that's big. <laughs> that's big. That's big uh, happiness. <laughs> Instead of business. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's interesting. That, that, that's a really interesting angle. I never even thought of that. So can you I did, ask you me, just came up with it. Yeah. <laughs> can I ask you throughout no, all your... No, without psychedelics. I'm, I just mean like someone being on a psychedelic trip when that is being done. Like someone's under the influence when doing the body painting. That I've never Whoa. done. Whoa. It's more like being on the, on the sort of doing nlp and just no that's next level setting. yeah but the yeah. body so painting that's what i thought crazy. that you meant no, i no. thought you meant just painting them while they're doing no like no I meant, I meant like they, they do their trip they're they they talk about their trip with their with their guide but you're also part of it and listening and then you you take the oh the trip and you turn it into an art piece to serve as a reminder of their of their experience i know sure. tattoo artists that do that cool the tattoo artist who tattooed my back did that wow I just told him a bunch about like not just the tripping but like about my life and stuff and he was like this is what you need in terms of what i heard he's like this is the symbolism you need on you it was like the cuba metatron two serpents coming out of two seeds of life and then my initials with a jewish star around them wow so merkaba right yeah i think the interesting thing about the merkaba is that it's it's meant to be like the vehicle energetic vehicle that allows you to uh, go to the next life with your memory intact if you wish to or, and that being a part of the that's why uh the jewish religion that's why they use it i've heard that as a reminder of uh, where they came from because if you read into the torah and the hebrew atonement it's actually very much it's a very good representation. Like, if you look at it from a certain way, you can see a lot of things. Like, they, they were in tune with a lot of different things, like the ancient Hebrews. Like, a lot. So, yeah. Uh, it's supposed to serve as a reminder, I heard. And it's every letter in the Hebrew language as well. Like, it makes every letter as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm, and it's supposed to serve in a, as a reminder because I heard, um, well, I heard, I've read in Hebrew, Hebrew Atonement, it kind of suggests that they came from another place. But if you read it, you might think that's alien, but it's through the Merkaba. They just know about that ancient thing. Right. So it's more religion. of a dimensional thing rather yeah. than a, like physical. Uh, right. Why? That's why they're the chosen ones, because they came from another place. Supposedly. You have to be like into the occult and like a bunch of stuff to... Yeah. So I, I'm not as familiar with the with the Torah and the Jewish faith and the origins. Like I know about the the flower life and things like that that come from there. But that's mm. pre pretty much a cultural universal all across the board. But I, I went a little pyramid crazy at one point. Did you? So I I I, I did a whole journey on the Graham Hancock and John Anthony West thing. And yeah. I was even I even body painted John Anthony West's daughter. No. Yeah. Really. Yeah, Zoe. We did a whole thing and and basically uh, he. John and her came to hang out in my studio. You met Finney. John Hancock? Uh, no, Graham Hancock. Oh, no, Graham jo Hancock. John Anthony West is the other guy. Okay, the, okay. The pyramid dude. So you met Graham Hancock? No, the other guy. Oh, okay. John Anthony West. <laughs> John oh, okay. Anthony West. Okay, okay. And, and uh, body painted his daughter uh, before 
before he passed and we became friends for for a little bit I, I spent a night at his place in New York and then he came to Finland for five days because his it was a freak sort of coincidence that his former girlfriend from Ibiza is a major artist in Finland and she's passed now and through me they they were able to connect that they were actually together this gallerist and, and there was a massive introspective for this artist that happened in Finland mm -hmm. so they got John to come over to Finland to be a part of this exhibit and he came with his daughter and then we did the whole body painting process and we hung out and John came to one of my exhibitions and it was really like that was super cool man that's incredible uh, yeah John John was a major influence on many many different things and and one of the things that I, I discovered about the pyramid is like you don't have to scratch the surface very far to understand that the great pyramid of Giza is not a fucking tomb uh, <laughs> you mm. know type of type of thing and it, I, I went to the king's chamber as well and I visited and there was a guy there who said that you know you should make some sound over here and then if, if you go to the king's chamber and you make some sound it's like the whole building comes alive it's like a resonant type of thing and the legend was that <coughs> that made at least more sense is that these um, cadet cadets who were being trained for the spiritual world in the in the heyday of of when the culture was very vibrant still from the uh, egyptology side is that these cadets at the end of their training were they were given the lotus flower the the psychedelic and they were put into the king's chamber into the tomb to practice ascension essentially because that's what what it was built for this was spiritual ascension so you were loaded up with psychedelics for three days and put inside that tomb to damn <laughs> learn how it's done son some sensory deprivation <laughs> so that's what the, that's what it, they say it was used for yeah really yeah. holy jesus that's amazing right wow that makes so much sense so much more sense than it being a tomb i thought it was like an antenna myself it could be that as well yeah i mean just because I, it had I, a golden top and gold's so good at that, like sending and receiving. Hmm. Like I, I don't. I, I've been fascinated by these, these things. There's some people who they, uh, when they get really, really certain about what some things were, I tend to go a little bit. <laughs> ah, but I, I've been yeah, entertained by. I love when something makes sense. Something that is meant to be all mystical or whatever. You're meant to believe this. No, I don't want to just fucking believe anything. I want to have a experience or someone m m makes me understand it in such a level that goes like okay well that yeah that, all right i can put that together that's what you, <laughs> you did know? with the santa claus thing when i heard that i was like oh that's what santa claus is that's it i'm done, done. that's it that's what santa claus <laughs> is to me from now on yeah that's yeah that's true i've heard that before as well really yeah with the reindeer piss yeah the reindeer piss cool. like has reindeer fear feed on mushrooms in fact i saw some mushrooms in the forest right here and uh I saw reindeer uh, footprints right next to the tree, and there's like a ton of mushrooms on the tree. They they, they like to eat mushrooms. Okay, so this is and this then the psychedelics they pee out. The this is only impressive if one of those reindeer pissed and you drank it. No, not that part. <laughs> not that part. Have you guys not, ever considered doing that? I'm, I don't think we're gonna do that because I'm not gonna fucking do that. I I have other ways. <laughs> because and I don't know if this is any better for you guys, but people say that after you do a huge trip that first piss that breaks the seal you're supposed to drink that and then mm. you blast off oh wow water. i've never heard that but that makes sense <laughs> that's like a thing <laughs> oh. sure but still gross do you guys want to try it <laughs> not uh not right now i mean time that, that, i don't have a jar of piss right now Dude, when, I, when i did dmt there was plenty of crash through all that it was like oh. but i don't know i'm I'm, cons I'm considering trying that if i can just get over the taste taste of my own piss so, so walk so. us through your uh your uh shamanic experience the your your guided trip oh um when was it this is maybe around 
This was ayahuasca. Oh, by the way. So okay. It's, um, mm. It was it was cool because he first he sort of explained to like the difference because up until to that point I'd already only done mushrooms, and he said that you know ayahuasca is a little different. How many times had you done mushrooms up till that point? Uh, maybe three. Okay. Three, four times, something like that. No, I, I like all together, I've done maybe only about 15, 16 trips. Sure. So not, not too much. It's a good amount. But, but essentially, this is a Finnish guy. And yeah. he's, he was hardcore trained by Sharman for years in uh, jungle. And uh, uh, I think it was Peru, actually, or something like that. And he, uh, he took his job very, very seriously. And uh, basically, uh, when when we did it at first i thought it was gonna I, I felt it was maybe too mild of a dose or something because it wasn't working mm -hmm. and uh and then after a while uh i just sort of sank into the into the bedding that i had on the floor and uh i became my infant self like i was a toddler essentially in like in these balls type of thing and my mom's an air hostess and at at times she was away for a few days at the time when I was a kid and something. And apparently what ayahuasca, uh, what it allowed me to do was to connect to my infant self of how I'd felt at one point crying for my mother and every cell of my body needing to connect with her and wow. that not being available. And it was one of the most uncomfortable feelings that I'd ever had. And it was like it held it like here, right in front of my face. And what I was trying to do is look away, fucking over, under, just like not face the thing. And ayahuasca just kept it there. And it was like up until to the point when I was like, okay. And I looked at the feeling and that toddler thing. And as soon as I looked at it properly and allowed it to be there, it took distance like that and sort of left as an experience. And what... Because I'd had a couple of like pretty disastrous relationships before then and, and something like that. How I now interpreted and what I realized was that on some subconscious level, I was looking for that kind of unconditional love or longing or connection in my relationships as an adult human that had happened to me totally unconsciously as a baby. And it just those kinds of things are what what these psychedelic journeys can do is like I'm I'm. Like there's a whole bunch of other things that I did. Like this is about the whole journey, but I think that was an an essential energetic shift that led for me to meet my fiance, and why our relationship is now the way that it is. Because that subconscious like missile seeking something that is unhealthy is no longer the the modus operandi somewhere like it deep inside of my you, subconscious. Your change in your perspective changed your path effectively, yeah. Yeah. which led to Lotra. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's that's some pretty magical shit right there and but that was ayahuasca yeah okay okay were your other three mushroom trips before that um like kind of hero doses like kind of how many how many mushrooms did you do throughout uh, uh for, for each of those trips all of them were <laughs> blast off blast off blast yeah, off all of them was like all in bro oh, oh uh, man so. that's amazing <laughs> yeah. so why what's why? your what's your average dose for a blast off dose I think the last one that I actually did wasn't too much. It was something like three and a half, maybe. Okay. But in terms of like as epic as anything, sure, yeah. ever, you know, it's just like definitely not a thing. But it, in in one of the, 
one of the ones when I was in the jungle personally uh, I did a mushroom trip there and I think it was five or something but it was I don't know there was something about these mushrooms that was a little different when the either it was a much higher dose than I expected or whatever but that was the true uh, true thing of ego melting completely and utterly away and me stopping to exist what did that feel like well I was dissolving uh, ego uh, it was an epic journey we it, this was around 2012 I went on this uh, documentary film trip first to Egypt and then then all over Mexico and we were talking to all of these tribal elders we were trying to figure out what the whole thing about the Mayan prophecy of 2012 was and uh, we talked to a bunch of shaman and uh, whatever and and kind of figured out this whole thing that John Anthony West talks about as well this elliptical 26,000 year cycle that the earth is on and uh, uh, the different ages and you know it wasn't the end of the world it was just an end of a 5,000 year cycle that happened in 2012 is a cycle like us going around our galaxy yeah okay and plato called it called it the great year i'm not going to even go into it because i would butcher the concept sure so don't, just yeah. like wikipedia pitches so <laughs> <laughs> so uh it, it's uh i was at this place um like <laughs> i'm so happy there, there's this white uh, mitch gold uh, is the guy he's this old bearded gandalf looking dude and i met him uh, at a beach by this other guy and there was a shaman who who did some work with me there, there were this whole bunch of very interesting people and we because uh he had heard that i was making a documentary film and he he wanted to be on it and he had things to say he essentially he had these all these pendulums that because he's canadian actually but he's been given permission by many of these tribal elders to represent him because he does like talking at the un and and whatever very strange uh cool character and uh we ended up traveling with him to his buddy's house uh, that's deep inside the jungle and it's very rich sort of gated community type of thing and it's but it's like very spiritual in nature the, the whole of the place and there was a whole party there and that happened at one point a bunch of people and EDM and whatever and then I, there I took the, the mushroom trip but in this guy's property there was this uh, star observatory like this massive structure that it's a little bit like a mushroom that you have to and it wasn't finished yet you actually had to climb there to in a little bit of a peculiar way and it had a top uh where there was a um, bathtub it's like a hut on top of this massive thing that is above the trees and uh it had a hammock uh and the bathtub wasn't working or any anything yet but they're, they're building it and it had this big crystal on it and and this whole thing and i i just sort of had to leave the party because uh, like I, I was just getting too screwed up to be a po among people and uh i climbed my way up up there and uh you know managed and i was in this hammock and after a while um i realized that there, there was this wooden ornament on on the ceiling as well i have this reoccurring theme of spiders ever since i was a kid and it kind of looked like a spider and that made me freak out a little bit because all of a sudden I realized what a hammock is. It's like a spider's web where you're caught in a certain kind of okay. way. And then once I realized that, I freaked out a little bit, but then I melted into this energy highway type of thing. I, I had nothing short of an experience, kind of like, have you seen the movie Being John Malkovich? Yeah, yeah. I love that and movie. And like these travel of like going back and forth or whatever. So I, I, I melded <laughs> into this energetic highway all of a sudden i just saw energetic highways everywhere and these spirits traveling and energy traveling and and whatever and it felt like oh shit is there a possibility that like the, like the being john malkovich thing was onto something on a certain kind of level and you know i never figured that out really but yeah. but it was that that um like as in 
that experience when you just cease to exist type of thing and that, w- that was really interesting but that's yeah that was my jungle jungle experience that was your that was your uh, an ego death experience yeah interesting that's nuts that is crazy well, I'm, not, I'm not sure if i'd call it an ego death it was more like a holiday from it a holiday from the ego yeah like what it feels like not to uh, entirely become just consciousness and not in a not a consciousness as that has a point of view i feel like we should rebrand the ego death ego holiday <laughs> it sounds now, nicer, pe- right? people won't be so scared of it ego death you're like oh, I don't the, know if the I thing is that. people people will think that they get separated from it i don't know if you actually do i've been thinking about this a lot ever since we questioned it ever since i came up with that ana- analogy of it being beside you when you do it i don't know if it goes away and i don't know no, the know. ego's healthy. It's your attachments to the world. It's your ambition. And it's stuff like it's that. everything you know. So it's definitely something you need, but it's something that can get out of hand and that can be damaged and that can control you. But we're never and like apart from it. N- I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, that would be terrible. That would be terrifying to actually be apart from your ego. For it to be away from you it would be it would mean you are nothing. <laughs> you, like it, that's like that's like would it though psychosis like, to the max i guess like but, i don't know i don't but, know <laughs> but was it because like you felt that way no yeah like, but only only for a minute that's oh, the thing okay. so like, well, i feel like, like i feel like what you're getting at is that type of experience isn't actually you separating from your ego it's or ho- ego holiday it's more mm. it's more it's 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 controlled or suppressed that's still part of you um um it's like you threw it in a box for a minute yeah <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's something like that but I d- it's like because I, I never was able to really hang out with the hippies properly because there was so much of that whole love and light there's nothing darkness and you're just like you, you know like it's all all peace and whatever and that's not like I, I i never did psychedelics to sort of escape from shit i did it did it to face it and discover truth and and feel what the world is really about and right and do the work you know and the work is dark sometimes you know the whole call young thing of of like roots to hell lead to heaven type of thing and it's like it's like that's I, right like it, it's such a massive difference in in terms of attitude uh, of why you might do psychedelics is that you know whether you do them like with alcohol and and something else at a party which and there's nothing wrong with that per se but but it's a totally different thing as into if you do it as a sacrament and you really take a, take on the whole thing as a as a like understand where the tradition comes from and what what kind of thing it can really do to you and it's of course the majority if you just focus on the other things and uh, and there's plenty of bad shit that people have done to others like like put them on trips involuntarily and then fuck them up and do that like it depends on the tool of how you use it right right you're saying uh, approach it with reverence yeah basically that's that's what i try to do with it try to use it as like a tool like an expensive tool, like a great tool. Yeah, know? right. <laughs> respect. Respect is the yeah. is the whole par- part of it. And and it, whenever I hear someone talk about psychedelics without reverence or respect, mm. that's when I know that they don't either really know what they're talking about, or then that they they have some sort of an agenda. Uh, because if you've done it and still you only think that there's no good side to this thing at all, while I don't say that there's no negatives or there's no you know those kind of things but just whenever it gets black and white to anyone i kind of tend to be a little careful about things because i feel like a a lot of those people are people who've done less than three grams sort of thing yeah i was gonna say haven't really had less than three grams and also like just did it like at good times yeah 
good times did it at a party were distracted by other things going on yeah like, so they didn't, they didn't really have to get it, it was easy to like maybe they, something was like knocking at the door but they yeah. were just not answering they were yeah like, they're no, just I'm gonna go focus yeah, on this right. instead or they mixed it with alcohol they mixed it with other types which, of drugs which like they what Vanessa said trip, it, it makes it a different drug yeah the yeah. goodness of the bad trip didn't happen the to goodness them. of there is no light without the dark can the i ask good, um, the since the since trip. we touched on this i like talking about carl young and the shadow work basically you're referring to um depression have you had uh, any kind of depression has it alleviated any depression with well, you I've like it's only recently that I haven't had it anymore. Depression? Yeah. Like I, I had it to like for the longest time I wasn't really aware that that's what it was. Like as a kid, you know, like growing up in eighties, nineties, whatever. That's not something that was as openly talked about as the, as it is right now. <clears throat> and I think still, to a degree, if I look at all the symptoms of let's say what PTSD is, I have every single fucking one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I know what that is. And sometimes just knowing some of those definitions can be really helpful because it allows, again, that perspective shift to to look at those things differently. But I think I've done enough at this point that uh, there's many different things that are, are coming together. Right? Like finally right now, um, I'm starting to be known as an artist. Uh, all of these art, uh, all of these opportunities are coming my way. I'm not constantly struggling whether I can afford to eat, or <laughs> you know, you know those kinds of things. Of my, let's say, social status has been elevated a little bit. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've done enough healing work. Then I'm in a stable relationship. All of those things kind of work as groundwork. Like uh, quite often when people talk about the medical sort of definitions of depression and things like that and she'd go like well does your life suck like it's not there's not necessarily anything wrong with you if the conditions of your life aren't like (laughs) super great man you like that's that's the whole thing it's but depression of course doesn't really help you getting out of that situation of course it's it's so yeah it can perpetuate and get worse so even a relative degree like antidepressants can be a really good thing depending on where you are but the it's it's the vision part that is the most uh most important thing it's like if you have a way out if you have some hope if you know where at least where you should be walking towards in order to like get out of a situation like that I, th- I think it's the depression is sure it's low social status but it's also uh hopelessness and it's trauma like it, it's a mixture of different kinds of things and it's all of those things that need to be sort of rectified and remedied in order for that not to be the case anymore and it's uh i, I was very fortunate i suppose in my early 20s to come across uh the the work of Ken Wilber, this American philosopher who is very sp- spiritual guy, knows the world religions, politics, and whatever, and he made this whole integral map. And many of these great teachers, like John D. Martini, approaches life in a certain kind of way. That uh, on his course, he basically said that you know, the, to put it very crudely, he made a circle, and then he divided life into seven slices. And one was your spirituality. One is your uh, philosophy one is your family one is your profession one is your money one is your health and and whatever and he said that you know how to put this very simplistically is that uh, we all know a rich miserable fuck 
you know, but that, and that's in our, our culture almost not meant to exist. If you have a bunch of fucking money, why would you ever be? Mm-hmm. But it makes a lot of sense. If your relationships suck, you don't have any mastery in how to be friends with people. If you don't exercise at all, and maybe you don't have much of a vision outside of yourself than, than just having money, then obviously you're m- miserable. So his point of view is that you have to have relative mastery of all of them and be on purpose in order for you to like walk the path properly and i think this spills down to again going into more ancient language that a lot of people uh like laugh at let's say the biblical narrow walk to heaven that that the path is very narrow i think that's what it means is that it's so wide of things of what you need to take into consideration and master in order for you to be on point that it's very few people who ever take on uh, a, a task like that. Mm-hmm. And that's True. That makes a lot of sense. Right? Mm-hmm. That does make a lot of sense. It is a path not walked by many. <laughs> it's too hard. It's simply fucking hard. And you have to adopt a very different kind of attitude to life and responsibility. And, and those they, they, all of this ties together, right? Yeah. So the depression, I guess... It was uh, a combination of things, just a bunch of different things that just like elevated you. Sure. But did you notice anything after your trips in terms of that? Like if you were suffering from depression when you were a kid? Because so was I. So I'm wondering if it, did you feel anything your first time, like in terms of alleviating that or no? Yeah, like ever since the beginning, like uh, of the psychedelics, you mean like the the first thing of the newborn deer experience was like that really helped. But even before then, just that, that, sort of how would you call it like the the protection cover that i had that hadn't allowed me to realize that i missed my friend mm. <laughs> you know mm, yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah it's like and especially if you the more you start to feel like you're um you're isolated the less you connect the right. less authentic you are the more you like the less you share your heart or and that'll affect your posture you know like like things like the posture coaches say that if you find yourself hunched over like this and, and I'm like that quite often is just consciously like yeah put you, like open yourself up so you because it on an energetic level it just sort of puts you in a different kind of state of mind yeah yeah it really and, does absolutely you know? you're not supposed to look down either you're not supposed to be walking and looking down they say it actually can like make you like more geared towards depression Supposed sure. to like look and like look up if anything like yeah, check, check out Part the, of the sky and the thing. horizon you know rather than the ground and all the shit on it well have you have you guys because you like you've probably made a few episodes already but I, I don't actually know neither of your first experience oh my first experience um i can okay. go into it pretty easy because it's pretty easy for me i went over to my buddy's place actually um yeah there's a bunch of people that i knew and i went over there and uh they had it on a pizza and i ate two or three slices because i eat a lot i eat a lot when it comes to pizza i get in there there's like a large pizza hero pizza yeah basically <laughs> and i took a lot and then they were like we're gonna watch alice in wonderland and uh it kicked in and i started feeling the euphoria and i ate it so i was feeling very very sick in my stomach um alice in wonderland came on and uh right away it was like too much and my friend was beside me and his face started doing things his face he actually turned purple which I verified with everybody else. I'm like, is he purple? And they're like, yes. They're like, are you okay? And he was like, yeah, I'm fine. But he was like clearly purple. It was really odd. 
And um, <laughs> then Alice in Wonderland uh, came on and we couldn't handle it at all. And uh, I like actually, a, it's like a, a Gushers commercial. Yeah, basically. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was weird. It was very weird. <laughs> it was like someone put a filter on him. It was so weird. And um, Alice in Wonderland came on. I, I was thinking a lot about everything that was going on in my life. But I was around people that I, I was friends with and knew well, but not that well that I could like open up or like start getting really introspective. I wanted to like stay with what the group was doing kind of thing. So I was watching Alice in Wonderland. It became way too much because I was just getting higher and higher and higher. And my friend and I started saying, we need real people on the screen. Put real people on the screen now. We need to see real people. We need to verify that there was like real people in the world still. So we needed to see them. And uh, <laughs> they did that for us. But before they did that, I would close my eyes. And I've never seen Alice in Wonderland before. And I would see the movie still playing. And I was like, fuck. And I'd open my eyes. And it's actually at the part that I just saw. And I was like, how is this happening? I've never seen this movie before. And I kept doing it. And I was like, this is fucking weird. I'm like, how is this happening? It didn't make any sense. And uh, then they put real people on the screen. Um, the real people were Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So that's not <laughs> any <real> better. <laughs> that wasn't any better. And uh, it got to the scene with the lizards. And then that became too much. We were like, we need real people again. And and then from there, I was just very euphoric, very high. couldn't do anything. I couldn't stand up. And then I had this moment of clarity because everybody wanted to smoke weed. And I like got up for a second and I rolled this really big joint and then I fell on the ground. And I was like, what happened? They're like, you rolled a joint. I'm like, I did. I'm like, sick, let's smoke this joint. And then we proceeded to smoke a joint and we had a grass fight for about an hour and a half. We just threw grass at each other. Or did it just feel like an hour and a half? No, that was like a clear hour and a half because like the neighbors were watching us because it was a bunch of it's men in their mid-20s in a, in a, in a lawn just Damn. throwing grass at each other. But it was the most fun time I've ever had in my life. And the next day I was like, I'm definitely doing those again. I was like, that was a really good experience. And that was my experience. So it had its ups. It had a lot of downs. And I was like, I'm all about this. Let's do it. Hmm. But it didn't connect you like into a bad trip type of situation or bring up like past stuff or it it, w it was bringing up the past stuff like the assault that I had happened to me when I was a kid like right away I started thinking about that I started thinking of my dad because my dad at the time he was estranged from me for about 13 years right so I didn't even know where he was or anything so I started thinking about him the doors knocking so yeah yeah exactly and I started thinking about my mom and our relationship, my family. Like I was thinking about it all, but like I didn't want to get into it because I know because I cry easily. And I didn't want to start crying with all of them because then they'd be like, yo, what the fuck's wrong calling? Mm -hmm. And then I would take them out of their experience. And so I just like kept that like aside and like there was plenty of stimulation around. So I was able to like not get too much into it. But I knew that that was there and I wanted to go deeper by myself. I wanted to see what happened by myself. Because I knew the things I wanted to do. Because I'm very much like you. I, didn't, I don't want to just have fun and watch TV. Like I set like an itinerary when I have a trip. I'm like, right. I'm going to learn about this or I'm going to confront this. And like, then I'm going to take my clothes off. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes sometimes the, the clothes schedule. come off. But like I'm, I'm very much. <laughs> it's not even 18.010. You know when it is. It's when it gets hot. You're just a little bit hot. And then all of a sudden it's like one shirt comes off, two shirts come off. <laughs> this is uncomfortable. So yeah, yeah. That was my first experience. And ever since then, I've been uh, all about the work. Like just doing. I didn't know it was called shadow work, but all about doing shadow work and confronting that part of myself. And seeing if I can straighten all this fucked up shit out. Because that, that's, the, that's the whole thing, right? It's like the most ridiculous thing is like psychedelics are, are they, they'd cause 
uh, addiction. It's mm. like it's been a year and a half since my last trip, and I'm still going like mm, maybe not yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's like 100%. It was fucking hardcore, man. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that yet. <laughs> yeah, it's so like it, it alleviated because I at the time I was like very addicted to weed and cigarettes, and that was the first time. Also, I didn't even think of that. It was the first time I thought like I could quit. I was like, I should quit. I was like 21, I think, the first time, and I was like, I should quit. I'm like, I should quit smoking weed and cigarettes. I'm like, I don't, I don't need those things. But then I just kind of pushed that away. But yeah, it takes a while, right? It did. It did. It did. It took 21, 25, 26, 27. So it took like seven years for me to quit fully. And that was through another psilocybin experience. Like a hero dose. But that was my first time. Michael, what about your first time? Um, yeah. I did it with a couple of friends. My parents were out of town. We had the house. So um, we got a bunch of mushrooms. Uh, I'm pretty sure we did like, you know, six or seven grams each. Maybe maybe five, maybe four or five grams each. Let's be real. More than likely. Yeah, I think it was like, a, this is like a closer to yeah four or five. Not because you guys are scared, but just because lack of money when you're that young. Yeah, I just don't, <laughs> yeah. I, so, but it's but but I say six or seven because it felt like six or seven. Uh, <laughs> he was he was uh, he was in his teens. That's what Last I was. Off. I was yeah. fourteen years old. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we decided to put on uh, Super Smash Brothers <laughs> and uh, try to play after doing the mushrooms. And so we're playing Super Smash Brothers, and honestly, that didn't last very long. Um, the controller started to vibrate, and I was like, man. I can't hold this controller. This thing's vibrating way too much, and it was it was like affecting my whole body. And I'm like, I can't. And, <laughs> and, and let alone forget that. Like the game is just there's so much going on in the game. You're like, I don't know what to focus on right now. This is crazy. So we're just like trying to play, and that just uh, broke down real fast. Um, then we were, you know, uh, kind of the trip was coming this is like on the onset so now at this point after the we stopped playing like the, the trip starting to get you know heavier and heavier and uh we kind of we're all interacting with each other and we're trying to like i remember at one point i tried to write some of my ideas what i was thinking on a on a napkin which later was completely useless <laughs> and uh just a goddamn mess and uh <laughs> just letters <laughs> so uh but um uh, time was a big issue. Time was bending. Every we'd go through a cycle of asking each other different questions, and then and then some something happening, and then and then it'd be like, what time is it? And it would be like a minute later from the last time, but it would feel like thirty minutes went by. So this this massive time dilation combined with like a loop experience, right? Where and it, and it was over and over and again, and it, and each time it got more aggravating to the point where. And, and this was all three of us. It wasn't just me experiencing this. It was all three of us together having this this joined experience of time dilation and looping. So uh, after after a, a lot of these, and we were kind of like losing our minds a little bit. And uh, and uh, I, I remember getting frustrated at one point and going, "We have to break this like cycle." I didn't say it like that. I'm like, "We have to change this." Um, and I'm like, "You stay here to my one buddy." I'm like. I'm like, I'm going to go all the way upstairs to the top floor and you go on the middle floor uh, to my other buddy. And we're all on separate floors of the house now. So 
such a weird way to say I want to be by myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we all felt like this way. So this was this was like not just me, right? We're all like, how do we change this? And that was like my idea. Like, why don't we separate? All of us separate. What were you all feeling so, that you wanted to change? Like there was just this uh, time dilation and this loop that we couldn't get out of. So oh. we're like something has to change. And then Groundhog Minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So I'm like, something's got to change. And and that was my suggestion, and, and we all mm. followed suit, right? Okay. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like I needed to be alone. It was like, we got to change this. How do we do it? This is he's, he's like, Here's I didn't idea. want them. I didn't want to be alone. I just didn't want them in the room with me anymore. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So, so everything like calmed down at that point. From there, I'm like chilling, like okay, like reflecting on what happened. And then very shortly after, probably like five or ten minutes, we we rejoined our group. And uh, at one point we went outside and my buddy like decided to go for a run through the park. He like left us for like 20 minutes <laughs> and he came back. Um, and uh, yeah, so the end of that night after we started coming down, uh, my friends like had left. And I remember like laying in my bed and then like that's when sort of these other thoughts started coming on. Like your life, every relationship you have, uh, becomes a node in like a web of like that represents your life and you're able to zoom in on these different these different people or moments that you've had with these people and and it's, when you zoom in on a person it'll it'll expand out with like uh, like fractals to to what experiences have you had with them is there anything you need to deal with um, I wasn't experiencing in like like in this clear way necessarily but but the web was very clear. It's like, oh my God, I can zoom into this, and I can. And I was thinking about, you know, my my family and some of my friends and my other relationships, and uh, and uh, then I fell asleep. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't really know what to make of it. I'm like, oh my God, I can access everything. Wow, like that was more my takeaway. It was like I can I can access any anything in my life much much easier than I than otherwise. That's the freak out um, with, with what I mean about the spider web. Because it's multiple eyes and it's multiple legs in multiple places and a web that connects it all. And that, that's always been a part of my psychedelic journeys, but it's a, it's been always in a strange way a part of my life, something that really freaks me the fuck out and then something that is also very alluring about the, the psychedelic journey is that you realize the interconnectedness of everything and that's where the whole hippie, we're all one, type of thing comes from but right. i think they take it too far to <laughs> the collectivist thing of denying that you're a part of it or that like whenever someone has to deny themselves of being anything and it's all just the for the collective I immediately think they're full of shit <laughs> and if someone's just about themselves or you know just like they're them as an entity it just comes across as you you don't understand reality do you right so it's like the balance of the two i think is what we're trying I, to yeah i agree with that that's really interesting. Yeah. You yeah. just described something, though. You just described a web but and a spider, though. Yeah. The the spider eyes freaked me the fuck out. One trip that I did... This oh, you're a, seeing a spider? Like, uh, no, I, ju I was afraid of them ever since I was a kid. Okay. I think he's combining like the idea of this web of, of thoughts and experiences and people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that relates to the idea of a spider you think sure but it's also spider. visceral literal spider. Oh, okay that's what i mean like where okay. does the, where does both of them are true at the same time okay. where, where does the like, spider come in i, I apparently i was really afraid of them ever since i was a kid oh. and even this car crash that that we did with my fiance in the, in france how it happened is that driving on a very clear road on spain like 
sunlight five o'clock listening to underworld really cool music vibe everything and all of a sudden fucking spider comes from the the back rear mirror just lands here and hops on my lap oh no and we're about going like i don't know 100 kilometers an hour maybe a little little less or something like that on the straight road and i just looked down for a minute like this to to anticipate whether i kill it or not and then i realized that i've drifted onto the other yeah, yeah. side of the lane i pressed the brake and went and then the, the car that was coming like towards us just like to the to the side of it like this and flipped and into Fuck. the fucking ditch we went in it's crazy jesus man yeah and then you know it's um before then when i've had this lsd experience where i, I just went for a piss and the bubbles of the piss in the in the toilet they just looked like spider eyes ah uh, yeah i know and you it was mean. just like fuck and it happened with my dmt trip <laughs> as well that that somehow connected me to the to the fractal or the ever growing uh, um, the eye side or something and then i could just go to a uh, jacuzzi and the the little grids of the jacuzzi because they looked like spider eyes <laughs> You know, you, you start to see the pattern and the connections everywhere, and then the, really? you can either go super loopy about that shit, or then just go like, "Well, that's just a part of life," and you, it's something that you. It's maybe the the monstrous, the 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 bestial side of life. It's like, what must it be like if you're captured by a spider being eaten slowly, being put into a cocoon, and <laughs> this massive, hairy, super eye fucking creep. Oh, <laughs> fucking, so oh. you've had you've had this fear of them since you were young, and then this trend of them throughout your life. Yeah, like, throughout your trips, I mean, I should say. Yeah, I guess, but I, I think there's something to do with the, with the... something that the spider is connected to in this fractal thing. Something that it represents, both physically as well as... It represents uh, a metaphorically something to explore. Yeah. There, you're saying it, yeah. it represents. I think there is. It represents mystery, growth, and power. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's what it says here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Where did it lead for you? For you next, like your your trip. What, well, I I could say that afterwards. I like everything I experienced was definitely like eye opening. I'm like, man, this was just so. The whole thing was so vivid and interesting. The time dilation, I'm like, what is this? What is this doing? And uh, and it definitely made me feel like happy, right? I was like feeling like 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 you know feelings of connectedness. Like like I just bonded with my friends. We went through this like crazy experience together. Uh, made it through on the other side. Um, and then and then that clarity that I had at the end of the night of being able to sort of like have a, a survey of like every moment of my life uh, <laughs> and being able to zoom in I'm like man that's like this is something else is kind of all I thought afterwards when I woke up and like the next day like, like after the trip you just feel you know you're not hung over or anything you just feel so you feel good and you feel open and you feel like like I think that's where it is where the where the work can be done. You're now more open and susceptible to change. You're 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 willing. So so in the moments following uh, a psychedelic trip, I think it's really important uh, the events that happen afterwards as well to to help shape you there. So for yeah. me, I was so young that nothing really like happened. It was just like next day, let's clean up this fucking house that I made out of mess of mom, dad's coming home. Right. So like back into, into life mode, back to school. Yeah. So, back to reality. You know what I mean? There's no work to be done. And I wasn't really all that messed up per se. I'm sure I have my own uh, childhood trauma. You know, my dad, my dad wasn't like the nicest person to me, but like, 
and uh, and I uh, got made fun of in, in school and, and and stuff like that. But I've never been like you know beaten, assaulted, or, or things like this so much. So so um, yeah, I definitely knew that well, I, you did. I liked mushrooms. You afterwards. did, but you didn't get like well, you didn't like what happened to me. It was different. It was like a grown man, but you did get it's different context though. Yeah, because yeah. so, like we went to elementary school together. Oh right, and okay. there were right. people that like would do things like that. Yeah. To you. Yeah, I used to get like a, the punch in the arm. But yeah, I used to, but yeah. I used to help set that up though. That wasn't like an un. It was. I wouldn't say it wasn't unwanted, but I was definitely a participant in the the whole thing. I was playing along. Yeah, I was like, let's see what I can take. How much pain can I take? Because so like, we it was, turned it into a game. Because right? it was coming either way. Well, maybe. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember that. I remember that happening a lot to you. That was that was like a thing for a while. Yeah. 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 Like a lot, a lot. And then one and day they're, I'm they're, like, one day I'm like, we can't do this anymore, guys. But like, there is a like right now, like <laughs> the arm is gonna break. Like right now, you're <laughs> you're doing what a lot of people with trauma do. They'll, they'll like excuse it, but like there is a trauma that happens. Well, like I said, yeah, I was I I had a bully experience, yeah. just not a not an assault experience. So I'm I'm not trying to downplay it. Uh, and it I, wasn't one; it was like ten. It was like ten. So what I what I would say is my early experience with psychedelics uh really helped to quash all that it changed my perspective to the point that i i wasn't feeling down about these interactions i was more a part become a participant in some of this stuff and like oh making fun of me that's fun if it's funny you know what i mean like i can i, I don't have to feel down about these things i can just be like cool moving on so yeah, so, but it's so, also so that's how I, I i was affected in many ways like i remember my my actual experience of someone trying to pick on me and it not affecting me it's like that's yours and like i'm me so uh, well i was just gonna say because you were 14 when that happened by the time he was 16 yeah you were vastly different i was i changed like a lot. Vastly. So tell me tell and me I'm, about that and <laughs> tell you about it i can actually yeah i remember because i remember the last time i saw you was like we were like 13 like graduating whatever and then high school went on because we didn't go to the same high school and then yeah you were drastically different i remember and i remember you were not taking people's shit as yeah. much like i remember there was like a a certain person that we both went to elementary school with. I think they were trying to fuck with you and like you weren't allowing it. Oh, were you there for that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it happened more than once because there was, like I said, there were so many people who thought they could be like that. And I remember seeing like, oh, he's not taking shit anymore. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Because like I was already in high school. I was smoking weed. I was like not taking anybody's shit. I was already, I was, I turned to like violence. I wasn't like accepting it. Like I, I got violent back with people. So I was like, wow, look at this guy. He's doing it. And then we started like reconnecting, I think around 19, 19 years old or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Around, when, uh, around when university started. And he was cooler. I was like, oh, Johnson's cool now. Look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he had a cool hat on. He's riding his bike. I was like, oh, shit. He's doing jujitsu and shit. And oh, I was yeah. like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were vastly different. I didn't even, see I think there was a big change from that. Oh, uh, Huge. definitely a change in perspective, a change in uh, confidence. Uh, mm. Yeah, you, you realize that your problems aren't so big when you mm. when you go through a mushroom trip. You're like all of a sudden the whole universe is shown to you, and you're like, okay, okay, I, I can take that. I can take this on. I remember at a young age, I haven't actually thought about this for a long time, but I used to see life as a joke. That was like a thing, mm. like 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 nothing that happens to me can be serious. Like like there's so much more going on nothing that comes at me is something that I can't handle. So anything that happened to me, I would, you know, take it in stride. I would 
take it as a learning. I would always see things as a learning experience if it was hard. Uh, if, if I had a really bad day, I was just like, it's part of the balance of the universe. Like very easy to put, mm-hmm. put things aside to say, you know what, like, like, you know, the things like there is no, there is no bad without the good. There is no, there, sorry, there is no good without the bad. There is no light without the dark. Uh, these, these types of things really help when you're in a situation where things suck and you're mm-hmm. like, well, you know what, I'm growing, I'm growing from this. So it's, let's deal with it. We'll just. I have nothing can go wrong. Why am I? Why am I beating myself up? Why am I uh, holding myself back? Just move forward. Deal with it. This sucked. Let's let's face it. However you gotta face it. Yeah, I have. Um, I have that. I just say like this is gonna be a cool story when I'm a millionaire. Yeah, and like this uh, is gonna be really. Nobody's even gonna believe this happened. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Like, look at this. This is great. (laughs) But it's about it's it's a little bit one one thread that I suppose connects all of our experiences to to one thing. It's like if you if you haven't been shown a lot of respect, uh, which is a difficult one, because as a kid, you don't like you maybe there's an idea of self sovereignty or, or this base respect of maybe we call it equal rights or whatever it is that rarely happens in real life. But but as a kid, you don't sort of have a lot of respect, you don't really know a lot. <laughs> and then you like if you have an experience like uh, with your parents or something where they didn't show you a lot of respect either then that means that you don't really know what the fuck respect is. Right. So therefore, if you don't know it, then you constantly step on other people's toes because you don't know you're crossing boundaries because you don't know that the respect is a boundary. And then also you allow other people to trespass your boundaries because you don't know what self-respect is. Right. And that's been probably one of the trickiest uh, things as a theme throughout my life is to learn the self-respect and the respect of others and how that becomes... Like, you know, you, you hear it as a sort of talking point in, in television. You hear some respect to my name, you know, type, type <laughs> of thing. And, and it, Throw some respect it, on my name, yeah. And it doesn't make any sense unless if someone, like, if you don't feel it, you need to feel it. And you need to see it actively happen in other people when you've uh, sort of trespassed them. Maybe it's, uh, you, and I, I don't believe many, most people do it, like, intentionally. It's just that it's hard to be con- connected to yourself on such a level all the time that you're connected to your self-respect and to the respect of other people. Yeah. And therefore, like if you if you're not connected to that, then likely your life is full of conflict. Mm. True. That is true. There is a big correlation there. Right. To having that life that's just drenched in like, why is this happening to me? All these different things. Yeah. I should be, I should have something instead of this person. Mm-hmm. All that kind of toxic negative. And it just makes things so much harder. That mindset. I have to say, you, you should, uh, you got to read about the spider. I'm thinking <laughs> about that. That's a thing in your life. You should yeah. embrace the spider. All so, right. <laughs> actually i want to ask we're you doing spiders yeah <laughs> i have a handful of spiders here um i just want to ask uh, throughout all your trips have you been setting any kind of intention and if so what were they definitely uh definitely did a one of the most epic ones i did with a lot of intent i did this uh performance and a film called looks a culture of radiance it was an art project that took over three years was made in multiple countries and and uh, we were uh, we did the stage part of this performance at this uh, the world body painting festival in 2014 and uh, uh, we 
we sort of made this whole thing about self-responsibility, solar energy, renewable energy, and uh, mythological and scientific alignment of like either my moment of um, super grandiosity or then being onto something, which I still don't know which one it is. Uh, but it's a 12-minute movie about how to align our sort of energetic understanding of the world to something that might lead um, lead us all on a path of, of something good. And But it was a really, really tough thing to do, and it was the first time I'd ever been on a big stage and really putting myself out there with fairly loopy ideas <laughs> <laughs> to, let's say, the common point of consciousness. And at the end of it, uh, my friend and collaborator with that with that project uh, said that you know have you done DMT? And uh, after it was done, then we were at his loft and uh, did a whole lift off type of thing. And before then, I I definitely had been through a very rough time getting there and putting this project together. I mean, we had uh, five people over from Finland. And it was like all together, the whole process was, was fairly intense. And I just wanted something like, please show me something beautiful. Like, show me something that is okay, fair do something. Mm. I, I know this never comes at, without a cost, but this time, please, you know, just. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I took the three hits and I fell on the, the bed and immediately the fractal storm took me over. And then <laughs> clear as day because uh, with most other psychedelics it somehow changes my point of consciousness and I'm different like like physically feel super different you know that something's going on yeah with DMT I was completely like now but I was just in a different dimension hmm. the only way that I can describe it is that I was in a different dimension and there were beings there and for the first time I understood what people meant by angels because mm. it's these androgynous beings close and a little further apart and it's totally white and these beings what they seem to be doing is is sort of handling very lightly in a frictionless pace this whole storm of fractals like it felt like those are the beings who are responsible for things as small as the blade of grass being somewhere or you know planets colliding to one another type of like thing <laughs> and at first what i felt was this unconditional love for the first time I ever really truly felt unconditional love like my whole being and it wasn't like they were speaking like English no. <laughs> but it was like I understood it was like welcome and I I sort of hung out there uh, for a little bit and they said something very simple that stuck to me uh, to this day and it was that sometimes Vesa you need patience because you have to understand that sometimes when you have the red light, that means that other people have the green light. And be aware of the fact that when sometimes you have the green light, that means that other people have the red light. Super simple. Hmm. Really the exact thing what I needed to hear at that point because I was super frustrated of things not going in the, or as fast in the way that I was hoping them to be, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And after a while, then just the fractal storm, boof, and it was maybe 10 minutes and then I'm back. That's crazy. And, but the next day the, there was a flight and uh, there was a sort of glass door at the airport. And I, like I thought it was just over and I'm fine, but I actually walked into a fucking glass door at the airport. <laughs> so, and I was a little jarred for, for a while after that. But it was like, in terms of like the, the spiritual and the religious experience, it was also because that, that project was all about 
getting to know some of the core understandings of all the mythologies all over the world, like whether it's Islam or Hinduism, Judaism, whatever. I, I was trying to discover what they had in common and what they did have in common, and sometimes not very much, but in, in certain ways that all cultures all over the world have appreciated the sun, if not wor worshipped it and made it like, you know, the Lucifer stuff of Christianity or whatever. But, you know, since it does give all life on this planet, maybe that could be the one thing that we agree upon and start using solar energy. And taking responsibility mm. and, and it was that was the whole loop of the movie and uh yeah it just allowed me to uh see that the only place where i'd seen fractals like that before was in the ceilings of mosques mm. and <clears throat> the way that it came across to me is that maybe it's human ego that has made it to the point of like let's say in islam you can't make false idols you can't make people into into deities in, in depictions or whatever and i think the point of view of where that originates from in that tradition is that someone saw the fractal world and they associated that with God as in that that's the true nature of reality is the the way that God organizes everything is the, is the fractal therefore you shouldn't elevate any being to that status because it sort of it's a false idol and maybe ego then warped that to be you know you might be killed if you do that type of thing yeah in, in but but it's also that that was the beautiful thing about it because it was at the same time as the fractal but it was also the angels so I was able to connect to something that to me as a kid felt like this isn't real. This is what the hell is this? You know, some parts about Christian mythology, was just it seems so foreign to me. So at the same time, as they do come from the same root, <laughs> as you guys well know, uh, they, they, they were together in harmony in this, uh, this DMT place. And I was able to look at my heritage of uh, of perhaps the Kalevala side, the shamanic side from Finland, I was able to look at Christianity in a different way. I was able to look at Islam in a different way, and it was uh, that that was another very very beautiful thing. Because and it was so many things at once. Because again, it was the feeling of unconditional love that's been confronted by all of a sudden these ideas that, that I didn't know really existed in in what felt like reality, mm -hmm. and then just a simple bit of advice that is that was profoundly meaningful for me to hold ever since true wow jesus how would I, you uh, compare like you've done ayahuasca dmt you've done mushrooms how would you uh, compare them how they how do they differ well um the shaman um the the finnish guy who was uh, who'd been trained uh the way that he explained it because uh I told him that I'd done mushrooms before it and he said oh this is a little different and the reason that it's different is because first we had uh, the microbiome level of bacteria and everything and then mushroom came as a layer on top of that and then you have the plants on top of that and the animals on top of that and the ayahuasca is feminine and then the, the mushrooms is masculine so the way that his perspective was that the uh, mushrooms are like a tough but loving father and ayahuasca is like the queen mother mm. uh, type of thing so that they're energetically slightly different but as we all know n none of it takes any punches with being tough on us if, mm. <laughs> if if they need to be in terms of the parental hierarchy of, of things uh so i found out that to be quite true and i actually avoided lsd for quite some time because i had a belief that you know this can't be spiritual because it doesn't come from the earth mm. or, and that kind of thing and one lsd trip sorted me right out of that uh, yeah. <laughs> it was every bit as spiritual and amazing and, yeah. and whatever. And uh, it's all about that setting, set and setting, right? 
Sure. And then the, the breath work, the rebirthing thing was also, that was an eye opener because I realized that I could do this with my own body, like just breathing and I wouldn't have to do anything even illegal or like that's accessible to every human being very democratically across the board. <laughs> but not many people know that that's available. But that was actually one of the most purest trips that I did because it, it was my own body doing the whole thing. And it was just, it was lighter than any of the others and it took me direct to what felt like a connection to god like hanging out wait uh lse no the breath, breath work, work. oh just, just doing the breath work yeah wow. i did breath work and i kind of it elevated me i had like an out-of-body experience i was able to see myself like lying down i was just like what the fuck i'm just breathing i did a microdose though right. oh yeah I, do nothing and try it it was you, just a microdose yeah do nothing and try it because it'll uh Cause that's a good thing. Cause you should meditate. You should get into that space. Yeah. Meditation will put you there sometimes. I, I meditate in my own ways. How? I just empty my mind all the time. You do it in front of the computer. Is that what you think? Well, I mean, meditation just means like you're focusing on one thing. You I do, would, you do like when you get into it, you're just like, Phew. the computer is like messier than everything else. <laughs> it, well yeah it's, it's but uh when i do dishes i'm like in a meditative <laughs> state you know you're just focused you know scrubbing some dishes easy peasy true not yeah. on not on this sink though it splashes a lot so i have to be listening to a podcast i can't do that shit meditatively really i, I tried fuck this now uh, i'm listening to joe rogan uh, yeah i always have something <laughs> playing except when or i like, meditate or in the just, morning. just like cleaning you know cleaning the house up tithing stuff up it's that's very, where you get meditated that's where i like said i kind of so, empty my mind so you're like into tai chi that's maybe, what you should try possibly because yeah. that's still like moving moving that'd um, be good for you yeah but um i just wanted to know with uh what was i gonna ask with the intentions was there anything because that was um i oh no 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 this is what i wanted to ask so you uh feel like it's like a father energy mushrooms I know yeah, we have to like compare it, was, it. Like, if roughly said, it felt like it was in some sense the 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 it, it like beat me up like a loving dad would beat you up, mm. you know, type of thing. Like, I can see that. Yeah, ayahuasca was more motherly. Like as like I said, you know, it made me aware of my mother not being there and the infant experience. Yeah, and, yeah. And, those, and, it, and it was tough, but it was a different energetic type of thing so because when i do maybe like, there's some truth to it i'm not sure if it's that clear cut well I, like i think uh i think we have to think of like our own parents when we ever think of like mother and father or like our ideal of what they should be and uh i guess because i didn't have my dad around because I, I see mushrooms as like a female energy very much and like ayahuasca was like an ancestor it was like a great great grandmother right yeah. that that like yeah, loves me right. unconditionally and she's just like come here you're amazing absolutely incredible it was like no other experience because i've had the ayahuasca experience too and it was uh it was the best it was the best ever what would you but say dmt ever. was king though yes the well DMT was by I, have to, far the I have to biggest launch. i didn't have i didn't have Hands quite I, yeah i didn't have quite your experience when i did it i kind of just like fell back and i had an experience that he talks about a lot with being okay with death and i was like this is probably what it's like because everything was just like falling away and i was laying down i'm like and i was like my hands were almost falling away like feeling them like the sense of it was almost gone and i was like this is probably what it's like to die yeah it was very weird interesting very very weird I was, and i was like and this would be 
okay. And you're like, this isn't so bad. Yeah, I was like, this would be okay. And like, I'm like, I get how this could be like death. Like, I understand. I'm like, this makes what sense. What, like, the, the stuff that you were saying, you, you did your first trip and it was like uh, Alice in Wonderland and Portal <laughs> and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that all of these are portals that we travel to one re- and as weird as it is to be here now mm. and we've gone through all of these portals and they reveal different uh, sort of dimensions and reality realities to us why wouldn't death be just another portal like that, very true like what right you know the the, the whole it, it, this was an eye-opener actually about egypt as well is that you had two different things you had flat earth for the common people mm. Uh, from Egypt and basically the priesthood made money that way they said that you have to pay us in order for the sun to come up tomorrow like if you don't pay us the sun might not come up so flat earth actually goes like it was always been the control control mechanism for common people like all across many different cultures and for the elite and the the higher ups it was the psychedelics and the put inside the king's chamber pyramid to ascension Mm -hmm. you know so there's um, that I thought was quite Wow, I didn't actually Quite know that. Thing. Yeah, so it, it's like in in one way the the spiritual truth about the world has been an elite thing for a long, long time, uh, and and for the common folk it was fear of death and fear of the sun of not coming up and not having to starving. Yeah, because yeah. in one way, if you are afraid of death that your whole life, in one way your your purpose, your uh, what your behavior everything can be controlled constantly because yeah. you're afraid of something ending abruptly and there being nothing therefore why wouldn't you allow yourself to be controlled constantly to a, a relative kind of degree because you don't have an exit or you don't have a, a portal yeah yeah so you don't have a way it, out yeah literally. so in one way the sort of heaven or hell how crudely it's been um led to be represented i'm not sure if there, there's point to it or not is there a heaven or a hell i mean a part of it sounds ridiculous but but also there's part of that that is true here that we are already in heaven or hell in certain kinds of ways or at least purgatory sounds about right about this place of how tough it is mm-hmm. quite a lot of the time but the the concept of even heaven let's say in the in the control paradigm or the more almost flat earth view of the world is like if you have heaven or hell heaven sounds like a fucking bore yeah i always thought that too so so but but in one way but if if if, let's say the the pure consciousness side of things like the the experience as the newborn deer of looking at this whole place of what the longing of home and that whole thing it's it's like uh yeah maybe pure consciousness then you don't desire anything then you don't whatever but the but that's not the paradigm the paradigm is that you go to heaven and you're with your family throughout time forever and you know, some of us who maybe not always got along with our families that well or whatever, that that sounds... So which one is this thing here? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Being around all the family members, all the and uncles. Is, and and I, I got to say, because it, it might be that my like part of my family listens to this. I, I love them dearly. And I through these processes, I've actually learned how to respect them and love them mm. and be among them and, and be better with them because I've become self-aware of how selfish and bratty and stupid i was a as a fucking kid and they still were good enough to keep me alive mm. you know so, so there, right. there's just to be clear on this mom if you're watching I love yeah. you. <laughs> I, I, one big never-ending thanksgiving dinner doesn't sound so bad one big one <laughs> I mean, it does sound like a bore it does sound like a bore notorious big actually talks about that he's a rapper and he oh, talks yeah, about yeah. not wanting to be in heaven because he's like it's going to be nothing but a bunch of goody goodies 
That's he's right. like, I'd rather go to the place where like you can smoke blunts and like do shit that you want to do. <laughs> he's like, I'd rather go to hell. <laughs> I just think it's it's as ridiculous as the flat earth paradigm. I think it was a control paradigm to begin with. And maybe there were people who were that simple at some point who needed something like that. And that was entirely necessary. I think that the general level of the whole of the world's consciousness has been elevated some time ago already beyond the most rudimentary, uh, simply, you know, just internet, whatever it is, like all yeah. these things that we have access to. And even way before then already we've we've and that's why. I think there's a massive crisis of, of spirituality and, and sort of all of the different sort of unravelings that are happening in the West is because we don't have a spiritual connection anymore that doesn't feel like too ridiculous to the majority of the people because they've severed that connection that is honest about it. And maybe it is the psychedelics and some concepts and, and, and whatever when they're brought about and you get permission to talk about these things and have these experiences and, and, and be be a part of it and say hey these thing, things matter and this is why they matter and if we do reconnect to this kind of thing then maybe we don't un unravel all of the good stuff that we've accomplished as societies right what, what's happened so in one way i do see this as like some of it is chuckly chuckly and yeah you had a trip whatever but this uh, the, the other side of this is about as profound as it gets and to be treated with that kind of reverence so, right there's some important work to do right how would how would you describe a a psychedelic experience to someone who's just never had one before what would you say to them well i think that if, if they listen to this podcast they've already listened from in between the lines of what might be in of course or, or not but that's why you know my, my compliment to the both of you actually like what you're doing here is incredible like Thank this you. is totally groundbreaking fucking spearhead stuff <laughs> and you're putting your out yourselves out there and and yeah i suppose and there's not many, but there, but there are major figures already who are talking about this, of course, like Paul Stamets and Rogan, yeah. whatever. So it's not like we're total outliers here, but in a certain yeah. kind of sense, like to our families, like if I if I talk to my family about like this thing as point direct blank of what how I'm doing, I'm, first of all, I've never done it. It's ne it would never be possible. No, me neither. Right. I, I so, accidentally did to my parents. I, I was uh, I don't drink coffee and I did drink coffee and then I went to go visit my parents and I was just kind of rattling off about some stuff, but like really high strung about it. And then I'm like, blah, 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 mushrooms. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, about those. <laughs> I might as well just tell you about my whole experience. So I, I'm like, it starts when I'm 14 years old. And I gave them the whole rundown of, of my mushroom experiences. And it was like 20, 30 minutes of me rambling about it and then my mom just stops and she goes uh i think uh i don't really need to do that but uh turns to my father she goes phil i think i think you should try it though <laughs> yeah man that's a great great response he definitely should she I'm, should and he should yeah they, they should they do both it. Should. Our, our whole family should do it together it would be i wonder what epic. that would do if you had a whole family do it together a whole shift like I, I think but definitely my family should do it and I, I get the father part it's mostly mostly the father should do it but it's not like the females uh, of older generations have had like they've been severed too and they've suffered tremendously. Yeah. everyone needs this it's not absolutely just like a, it's just the way I described it she, she was thinking more of like positive negative she's like oh I'm feeling pretty positive but it's more than that and that's yeah. I, I obviously didn't sure. get that message across it was me yeah. rambling on coffee for a while about mushrooms. So. <laughs> That's amazing. Makes me feel so good. Yeah, <laughs> family doing it together. I don't know what would happen if my family did it. We come from a culture like in the Caribbean, they do mushrooms. Like that's like a known thing. Right. Like they go into like the bush. 
they say. Uh, like, people, <laughs> like my uncle tells, talks about it all the time. He's like, I vision brew. quest. Yeah, basically, he's like, I brew this stuff up. And he's like, and drink it. He's like, then you feel like you're floating. He's like, then you just go into the bush, wander around. That's the best. Watch out for the monkeys. That's what he <laughs> I think that's the great. That's the great illusion is that like you have to super prepare yourself. Like, and no, your body knows how what to do. Like that's one experience that I've had with psychedelics as well is why I was also hesitant to do LSD is because I did like my belief at the time was I'm not sure if I have it anymore but uh, I, I felt like it had a consciousness ayahuasca had a consciousness the mushrooms had a consciousness and they, yeah. they sure did challenge me but they didn't give me more than I could handle right you know, so that's what I was afraid of with LSD is whether it has the spiritual side of whether it's my friend in that kind of a way or is it going to take pop me over so that my neurology couldn't handle it or something. So it, in one way, I think if especially if you're doing it uh, first time or something and it would be our parents generation, they would be like, yeah, OK, so the, these kids are doing it. It's great. You know, we're making the, the the world is becoming better, but we don't need to do it. Whatever. Yeah. Well, right. First of right. all, you're going yeah. gonna to do it when you die. That's going to happen right? to you whether you like it or not. Uh, so you <laughs> might as well be prepared for it. And and all of us need it Like to, to the point is that you like, trust your body. Like if you do it with the right intent, in the right setting, for yeah. the right purposes, I think your body will know what to do no matter what age you are or whatever it is. It's been it's walked with us for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. And it's only now for a few decades that our attitudes are so warped and weird about it because it was made illegal and all this propaganda about it was sprung exactly. in yep. order to like and I, I don't entirely diss it because if you t really take a long uh, view on this for the longest of time the the reality of the majority of the people were was that we were all starving and struggling and fucking pretty horrendous things happening constantly so in one way the problem solving consciousness and holding it and and pushing despite the trauma on and keep trucking and building like you look at you go to new york you go to uh, here you, you go to miami you're looking at an empire you're looking at something that must have felt like to the people of Rome, like you came from a smaller village from uh, <laughs> wherever the fuck, you know, something. And you went to Rome and you looked at the new buildings and the yeah. scope and the magnitude and you go, hmm. Jesus, you know, and that's, that, that, that's the, the feeling of here. But it's at the end of like this is the collapse of Rome in so many different kinds of ways that the, 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 the sequence is almost identical looking at the. At the history of it and in, in one way yes we went overboard with materialism and and well-being and 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 like food by order like a guy with a scooter comes over as opposed to you starvingly fucking hunting for a bear in the woods or some some shit <laughs> yeah, like that true. but like it, with these tools if implemented correctly maybe we don't have to collapse this whole thing back into the dark ages and go like yeah horribly array which is a real threat for at least to some of us feel like it might be like that so if we do keep now this material well-being and we keep the machinery alive that but we reconnect to our purpose maybe we go next level evolution instead of it always being about breaking into ashes and then coming and having to go all of this suffering through again and again right what's the next level to all this yeah, uh, where right. do we go as a as a society if we if we're all uh you know going to the moon <laughs> can we go through another portal like really as an evolution of, of the species and i think that would be a pretty hopeful cool thing to really start emerging and then we do have some people like elon musk who are, who's almost single-handedly fucking building the thing but but we, we need everyone on board with their consciousness to see that what is what is possible for us 
Because mm. I, I think on a subconscious level, we almost wish for this to go to rubble because some of the corruption has become so bad. and It's too and, much to handle. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, so many people feel that way. So many people are done with uh, things being the way they are. And they want to see something new come about. I mean, that, that, so many people argue that's why Trump was elected. Because they just wanted to see something different. Some chaos. Finally. Will like, make, a little chaos will make my life better. Yeah. Nothing else is. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's, how I, that's what got me into mushrooms. Because right. people, people did talk about, like, I knew a girl that was, like, going into neurology. And she was like, acid makes your brain bleed. So did mushrooms. Mm -mm. And I was like, do they? Like at that time, I'd already done acid like twenty times, but I was still like, I was like, okay, like I see what people are saying, but I'm still gonna just do it. Makes your brain bleed. That's what she was saying. She was like, wow. burns, common burns, myth. Burns, <laughs> burns holes in your brain. Wow, that's what it was. Acid burns holes in your brain. Mushrooms makes it bleed. It's just complete bullshit. Which is just nuts. Like, and and she really thought that. Like, but I don't know. I I just wanted to, I wanted to get out of this like depression that I was in. My mind was like, not good. So I was like, fuck it. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe like, it'll bleed. Let's see. <laughs> but you had like a Jedi sense. It's like trust the force, Luke type of thing. Yeah. It's like, no, I, nah. Yeah. I don't know why, but. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would feel like I would have died by now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wouldn't I have? Hey, how many holes do I have? How, yeah. many, how many holes per, per LSD trip? Right? <laughs> That's what I was wondering. I was like, Jesus, maybe I'm going to die next time. No. But I was like, well, let's see. <laughs> let's test it out. Have you ever uh, merged any of these uh, substances? Like I was doing, um, I would do LSD and uh, psilocybin together. I haven't, no, 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 I haven't, I haven't, thus far, no. No? No, I'm totally out of the loop with that one. But I, like, <laughs> I've, I've listened to Terence McKenna talked about that often. It's like doing a hero dose and right at the peak doing DMT, like. Oh, wow. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like things like, that. I'm like, yeah, nah, too, um, too hardcore for me for now. That sounds pretty um, crazy. I'm good, bro. I would, <laughs> I would, I would 100% do that. But I've just never had the opportunity. Like let's, how often do you get mushrooms and you got DMT too? Let's, let's get it set up. It's usually <laughs> in some place, some unknown disclosed area. But, uh. Well, yeah, it, that would be that would be a fucking trip and a half because you've done DMT like I've we've done both right and to take it at the peak of a trip, you would have went outside naked with a cauliflower in your hand. No, I was inside. The, no, the, like no, I was in, in my apartment. But if you had the DMT at that point, you might have been like, Oh yeah, I yeah, have to th take. That's this a bad outside. scene, man. No one wants to see that. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been crazy. That, that's what it looks like without a person without an ego. Yeah, tr like, true. Yeah, we'd have a very different kind of world. That's so true. <laughs> That's right? very true. So no, if, you, if you have no self-awareness whatsoever, I mean, what you'd be defecating in the streets and humping dogs? Yeah, you'd what? be like, you'd be like, <laughs> can I not be naked? Should I not be? Yeah, right. That is, like, that's exactly the question. It's like, what, like, what are these social norms? Like, like what's Im what's the importance of me having clothes? Like, do I need clothes? Do I need a toilet? Do I do I have to go over there? Why can't I go here? <laughs> <laughs> All these questions start popping up when you're when when your ego dissolves. And wow, you, and you don't have a body anymore. Wow, don't become egoless, guys. Yeah, don't become keep, egoless. Keep a little bit. You need the ego. Yeah, oh, that's why it's healthy. It's Otherwise, like, insane asylum. It's the whole thing time. about the culture wars and everything. It's like everything is about yeah. Don't shame me. Well, sometimes shame is a pretty good thing. It's like you don't like you should if you're gonna shit on the middle of the floor and you're 
40 years old at the family dinner, you should feel ashamed. It's important. You know, yeah. it's important to have a bit of shame about shapes that you. stuff. <laughs> shame, shame shapes. Shame, shame got me to lose. I, I was 350 pounds at one point. I lost 200 pounds because of shame. Because of my brother's friends coming up to me and grabbing my tits and shit. Be like, ugh. <laughs> Shaking me around. It helped. It, like, it helped a lot. Because I was like, nah, no more of that. You have your life to thank because of those guys. Right? That's it. It's so weird. That's all there is to it. There is no light without the dark. Man, um, we've been at this for two hours and 21 minutes. I want to hear one more story. You said you haven't done mushrooms for a year and a half. Uh, what was your last trip? Uh, yeah, I was a, I was a, it was, a, it, it shook me to my core in a, in a certain kind of way because it was, um, I did a, I know this guy who does these sort of, uh, energetic healing sessions and, and I did one before I did the mushrooms and I started at midnight first, like went already went through, um, an experience and then, uh, uh, I went to my buddy Sona, uh, cause he has a separate, uh, place on, a, on his on his yard where you can live it's got a full kitchen and like everything and I was just hanging out there for a few days then I was uh, then midnight I took like three and a half or something like that and uh, it started kicking off and it became more and more epic and it was almost like a computer game but it was very much this time about divinity because I've been on this whole discovering of the the spiritual nature of things for such a long time and as I said I first went to the east and maybe even the shamanic traditions or whatever and it's only from a long long route of now coming back to let's say uh, Christianity in a way that it uh, the DMT thing helped and and then I even listened to the uh, Jordan Peterson lectures on the, the Bible series the psychological sort of introspection of Christianity or what might be valuable about it these days which I think is phenomenal by the way uh, I wish it would have been explained to me like that when I was a kid. And uh, then, um, so it made me choose my religion. Stop. Essentially. This one stopped. That's okay. We have this one in right here. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Okay. You can keep going if you'd like. Hey. Maybe we can start from the scratch. We can. Oh, but I think I'll have a better better handle of it now. I kind of broke concentration there for a bit. Anyway. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so this one's dying because we've never gone this long before. No. So our longest podcast out. and yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up. So, yeah, go from the top. We're going to use that as the main camera angle. Great. Just going to be here. Recording. Okay. We're good. We're going to go from there. Yeah, okay, this one's done. So, Vesa, <laughs> yeah, you've mentioned that you've uh, uh, haven't done mushrooms for about a year and a half, and I was just wondering about your last psychedelic experience. Yeah, it was super intense. That's why I haven't uh, haven't wanted to do it for a while, a bit because I'm still, I think, absorbing the lessons from that. 
and uh, where would I start? I, d I did this sort of, um, a, a friend of mine first did some sort of body work and he, he also was a little in tune into the spiritual side of things and he did a whole session of a couple of hours with me before he even started the trip. So already I'd gone through a press sort of process and it was like coming down from that as I, as it and it was midnight and my body sauna has this external building on his on his yard that is almost like equipped with the kitchen or whatever you can live there and I was staying there for a couple of days. So at midnight I take about maybe three and a half grams, uh, something like that. And as it starts to kick off, it was like a computer game. It was sort of me completing these tasks and going through almost like on a spaceship doing like very much like a like an 80s Atari game type, type of feel about it, but very real. And, and uh, my my lady is Hindu. She started connecting with uh, with these Hindu deities of Lakshmi and Ganesh and, and uh, Vishnu. And I was wondering at that time very much about my my success and the art world and whatever. And because the, and the, it was for the longest time, I like almost didn't care for money my activism towards the monetary system only almost made me hate money and uh, it was the whole crypto loop that that brought the healthy perspective on money onto that but a year and a half ago I was still very much in the process of realizing being good with material resources and being good with the energetic transaction side of money and not associating that with the with the system of it all and the game took me level by level up and essentially in a certain kind of way uh, first I was asked a very simple question there was like a throne and there was these massive black snakes and this golden veil and, and this whole of invitation through a portal and I was asked uh, uh, do you want to be king and essentially uh, what I I overcomplicated it at that point thinking that it was kind of like what Jesus would have been asked, like, you know, in an Indiana Jones movie, is like, do you want the fancy throne or do you want the wooden thing? Are you humble or is this about something else or whatever? But I, I overcomplicated it by thinking that it was some, somehow like a trick question. And uh, I answered wrong. And all of a sudden, I tumbled down, like, all of the levels that I just climbed up and managed and completed and whatever. And I just, like, totally went back to hell and to the rubble and to the bottom pit again. And just feeling pretty fucking terrible about it whole thing because it almost felt like a graduation ceremony and uh, uh, and I screwed up and then it felt like in a certain kind of way because I've done multiple different art pieces about various different spiritual traditions and religions or whatever but I've never really so-called picked one because I didn't think that was necessary and uh, I was just being it felt like I was being tossed around and and like just like kind of this is at the very end of it I made they made me choose my religion or it was it became very clear as in that you do need to pick one and through that you can access all of them but you do need to have a grounding in one and this goes very against the grain for me at that point I'm like I don't have a religion <laughs> uh, but I was super tired and this is something like 7 o'clock in the morning already or 6 o'clock in the morning and I've been through fucking you know all sorts of things and i just went oh fucking christianity and it's like wrong answer you stupid ass she's <laughs> like oh no but you know but i can't and it was all like just <laughs> it's a very testy very very this whole thing but also 
uh, it left me with uh, with the whole thing of that sometimes it's been a little difficult to communicate with my with my stepdad who's been much more than my father a father to me ever since I was a kid ever since I was one year one year old but it's been really difficult for for us to see from eye to eye at, at some point and it gave me some advice on how to approach it and uh, it came to completion as well in the morning when uh, when my friend gave me a ride back back to the place that me and my parents had been holding because they were staying there at the time and and he sort of made it even more concrete is that he it just sort of the communication was that go to him admit all of your wrongdoings just say like I'm sorry if I've been a brat if I've been an ass if I've done things you know this and that and uh, you know I just wanted to say that you know that's where I'm coming from is that I'm aware of all of these things and that's why maybe sometimes you know from your perspective this has been a little difficult and uh, he wasn't maybe as open about his <laughs> back uh, in, in a certain kind of way but it, it opened up uh, you know kind of like in this podcast sometimes it's like you, there's a space that opens between us in terms of communication and all of a sudden it's like a like a thing so we did spend some time without that kind of boundary looking at each other as people as opposed to all the burden and all the kinds of things that maybe <coughs> have not always been good with us and I think what it launched into is the next sequence of if we do that again it's again a better than this but long the short of it what this leads me to maybe something that I really wanted to mention is the that I really want to experience the microdosing now that's right because, <clears throat> because basically even despite doing all of these <clears throat> heroic doses and and all of this stuff like Stamis talk about what you've been talking about is that maybe the neurology side of me that has not been like entirely healed it's not the hero doses that cure the neuro neurology now very curious to do the microdosing thing if that's actually how Stamets says it that it's gonna like it's little by little and not these peak experiences that are gonna fix some things that have maybe been misfiring in, in in me in a certain kind of way so maybe sometimes slow and steady does it whether it's the <laughs> you know uh, human relationships or our own well, sort of thing it's, our bodies and it's what we said before uh, mushrooms are a tool and you, you can use that tool in different ways so uh, microdosing is just another way to use the tool. Sure. Um, yeah. And it'll have a different outcome as a result. And, and a hero dose has you know, a time and a place and a certain desired outcome that you're not going to get from microdosing. So I think they're both important in their own right. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know my takeaway from microdosing. Like I, like I evolved emotionally. That's the only thing I could really say. <laughs> Bless uh, you. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, I evolved emotionally. That's about it. Like I was more open with my girlfriend, more open with my friends, more vulnerable, seeing that more as a strength than a weakness, uh, stuff like that. I guess depression helped as well. I guess it helped the depression as well, alleviate that more. Like just make you generally happier. I'm more motivated. I'm a little mm. sharper. I have more energy. I'm not taking like yeah. uh, feeling so lethargic at night and stuff. I can like kind of last longer yeah, cool. without feeling like like the whole night we hung out. I was not tired at all. 
we we only up to like six in the morning. I'm like, why am I still? Yeah, I passed out before. Like normally, I would be passed out long ago, and it's just like pretty cool. So it's like but cool. Again, I, can, I, was, I was hitting that gin pretty hard. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can choose. It's like you can choose when you go to sleep. You can choose. Yeah, you, you have just full be control. Like, oh, can, I'm just gonna go to bed. Now. I can just decide to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And, but like, and I, but if I need to maintain the energy, I can just have that energy, and that's been a huge difference. I felt that same thing. That's weird. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, I'm not supposed to say that. Uh, do it if you want. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, context matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to. So uh, thank you so much for coming on, Vesa. This was really fun. Um, what other projects do you have going on right now? Uh, everybody out there, uh, Vesa has a website called artforcrypto.com where he has some beautiful pieces uh, at really great prices right now. Where one, can they find One you on Bitcoin Instagram? each for originals, and that's really exciting. So Someone's brilliant idea. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, tell us a little bit more. Well, the the money rabbit hole is is one thing. And I, I just did a documentary film about the monetary system when I realized what it was 10 years ago. And then that ultimately led me to making some art about the cryptocurrency space and telling the story of what's going on because essentially it's the separation of state and money and, and uh, all of these epic things that are happening uh, as an evolution thing to our monetary system that is highly necessary. So artforcrypto.com is all about that side of things. <clears throat> and then the body painting works because they're so vastly different in terms of topic and, and things. They're maybe a little bit more of this, what we've been talking about here is the, it's called artevo.org. So that's A-R-T-E-V-O.org. Uh, and uh, the, there's abstract pieces and there's these body painting pieces. There's about 300 artworks there. Right. And uh, some of them, if you do look at and you might be tripping, you might get stuck on, <laughs> on a corner of one piece uh, with LSD for uh, an hour and a half like me and my lady did uh, <laughs> at some it point. Happens. So they do that because they, they, they really are layers and layers of meaning and, and material that is designed to be as close to what well, I'm probably just going to butcher it by saying anything else. It's like if anyone wants to go through those experiences, that's well you, when you find them. And, and Twitter and Instagram is art, art by Vesa. So VSA, uh, that, that's the thing. VESA, right on. Yeah. Art by Vesa. Uh, hey guys. That, uh, and you also have a podcast, right? Oh yeah. But that's not really a big thing yet, but it's, it's, it's coming but yeah it's called it's current project we love decentralized okay it's the about the creativity and we the love decentralized check it out uh guys can i just say like thank you so much for having me on and opening up this kind of a space to talk about this stuff i've never talked about this like this before really no i've, I've wow. sort of dropped hints in some interviews that i've done this and i think psychedelics are important but this is yeah. like nine levels beyond of how I've talked about this before. So wow, right? It's not everywhere where you can go this deep about your experience. Like people don't generally want to hear it. It's like you have to create the space, like you just said. Massive so. respect. Props, bro. You uh, definitely had it all verbalized, like you've discussed it many times. So this was perfect. All right, guys. Thank you so much. This is talking mush. Talking mush. Vesa, Michael Johnson over here. I'm Colin Cummings. We're out. Peace. Peace. Hey guys, Colin Cummings here just wanted to thank you guys for listening to the podcast and if you enjoyed this content please do not hesitate to like subscribe share also check out our youtube channel check out our tiktok check out our instagram 
for more clips of psychedelic stories. Thanks again. Talking Mush Podcast, out.